gentlemen. The show is about to start in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. He'll be fine on the mountain. It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Built by the Barnumidium Company. Served by Chicken Cock Whiskey and part of the Chiefs Sports Network. Juice Wells all the way. Touchdown, Gamecocks. Pressure. Penny just dives in. Oh, JB, we cannot hear you. Welcome in, everybody, inside the Gamecocks the show. For some reason, JB's audio has kind of fallen out here. We cannot hear what Mr. Bradford is saying, although here he is. He's back yeah. again. I don't know. I don't know why that, that has happened. That's the second or third time that's happened. I apologize. Let me start over. It's 11.03 here on this Tuesday, September the 12th. Welcome aboard inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios, the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics. And if you were at williams Bryce Stadium this past weekend, you saw their fine and outstanding work thanks to Matt Vaughn and his team. That's why everybody in Gamecock country and really all across the state uses them. Sinorama in West Columbia. We're built by the Barn Doco, the barndominiumco.com, where your dream home can be built in four states, the Carolinas, Georgia, and Tennessee. You could do it for as low as $160 per square foot, essentially any size, and you could get all the bells and whistles. I know somebody that's building one or about to be building one here soon, and it's going to be pretty darn sweet. So make sure you find them at the barndominiumco.com. Phil and JB, JC will be here in a minute. So will Hale McGranahan. And then coming up at noon, Power Hour, presented by Palmetto Medicare and Brian Spencer with our friend Mike Morgan. We'll uh, certainly talk about the Gamecocks and the dogs with him. He's been around this rivalry for a long time. We'll go across the landscape of college football and how things have changed a little bit, especially after the results of this past week. The top is looking a little bit different. Georgia, of course, is still there. South Carolina, Phil, is hoping to change that if they can between the hedges and ads starting at 3.30 on Saturday. We are served by chicken cock whiskey. Enjoy game day with a nice glass of chicken cock bourbon. Uh, I had a glass last night, and it was absolutely fantastic, and I cannot thank them enough for what they do. It's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful bourbon if you haven't tried it just yet. All right, straight to the Nana's, or what do we call this? McKellar Enterprises guest line. That's right. This is Mary's where we, box. <laughs> where we find the, uh, 
Oh, there you go. The Atlanta Braves supporting Hale McGranahan, the division champions, and soon to be once again World Series champions. Hale, what's up? Oh, not much. I I, uh, I like the sound of that. Let's uh, mm-hmm. see if they can clinch this division in Philly. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they're the team in baseball that generally doesn't work out. But let's hope that it does this year because it is. Uh, they are a fun team to watch. All right, Hale, so was South Carolina on Saturday. They did what they were supposed to do. They took down Furman. Could have been a lot worse. Uh, Shane got it. I, I was talking to somebody this morning. I didn't. We didn't get to it yesterday on the show. But I thought – and I'm not – maybe this was by design. I, I have no idea. Um, but I, I did find that one of the – one of the bonuses to getting the starters or at least beginning to get the starters out of there in the middle of the third quarter, I think some people probably looked around and thought, it might be a little early. Is this game really really in the books? They, they probably felt like it was. But also, Hale, they, they were able to get a bunch of young guys in there with a little bit of pressure on them. You know, I've, clearly if things go wrong, you put your starters back in and they felt pretty comfortable about where they'd be. But they were able to get a lot of guys in the game and guys were able to play. The game was not over. Uh, there was, you know, some type of intensity to it still left. And I, and I thought that was kind of an added bonus to getting a bunch of PT for some dudes who haven't yet stepped on the field. Yeah, I think there was probably a little bit of comfort there with the defense playing pretty well, uh, all things considered. You know, the the halfback pass on the first drive that Furman got to set up their first score was was a lot of what they gained on the ground. I mean, they had that second touchdown drive where, where they moved the ball okay. But, you know, after that, they, they didn't really have any anything going offensively. So uh, I think uh, staff felt pretty good about the matchups, even with some of those younger guys. Like, we, we've talked about how talented they are and all that. So I, I think you probably still like like the matchups from that standpoint because you got some, some pretty good players still going. And then even though some of them were – we're playing for the first time in their college careers. Uh, but, you know, three touchdowns in the third quarter. Uh, and, and like you said, if, if things got a little dicey, uh, they, they could all, could have always put in Spencer Rattler and, and Xavier Leggett and just, you know, thrown it deep a couple more times and probably connected on another one or two of them like, like they've been doing the, the you know, first game and a half this season. Yeah, it's um, it was good to see him. We're, we're going to talk about specifically a lot of those guys in a minute. I'm really, really looking forward to hearing Shane today uh, at one thirty, uh, specifically talking about the tackles and and Mario Anders. They're not going to give away state secrets, but we'll get to all that in in just a minute. I want to go to something that was said yesterday by Kirby Smart. I think a lot of the fan base picked up on it here. Um, he referenced Tonka Hemingway. Tonka Hemingway never said anything specifically about Georgia or Athens or Sanford Stadium. He was asked a question in July about the loudest places he's been in the league. He mentioned A&M and Tennessee, and he mentioned Georgia. Um, Kirby mentioned that yesterday uh, that maybe, you know, we'll show old Tonka how loud it is over here. He knows Tonka. He recruited him. I don't think it was anything personal, Hale. I, I took that, and Phil, I, I took that as a way for a head coach to probably try to get their fans going, and he just needed to find something to use. I, 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 I don't know this. I haven't been in, in Athens in a while, but they've won two national championships, and they opened with UT Martin Ball State. You Maybe he feels like it's been a little apathetic over there, and now they've got an SEC team coming in this weekend, and he just wants to make sure it's raucous. But I didn't in any way, shape, or form think that he was 
trying to just call out Tonka because it was something personal against him. I think it was just a tool he used to get his guys going. It's the team on top who's played hardly anybody in the first two weeks trying to get, yeah. you know, bulletin board material and rile yeah. up the fan base, you know, because it's like, exactly. Okay, yeah. This yeah. isn't UT Martin coming in here this weekend. Let's make sure we show up. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear that, Hale? I, I know he said something. I didn't hear exactly what he said. Hadn't read it. But, uh, you know, considering this is the same same guy who, who had some of his players last year convinced that, that people were out there saying they weren't going to, you know, win the national championship or go undefeated or win seven or eight games, whatever – Whatever those guys were talking about after the after they won that that national championship, um, so yeah, I I think probably more to the point of like just trying to make sure this fan base is is juiced up and ready to roll because you know they have started slow like we we've obviously seen South Carolina start slow a couple times already this season and, and in the past yeah. and uh, that's been a bit of an issue for Georgia in, in their first two games especially on offense uh, coming out of the gates a, a little little bit slow so i i think that's probably if anything trying to get them their fans extra juiced up and 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 barking and all that stuff when when spencer rattler steps on the field for the first time and and uh trying to make things as difficult as possible for for him and and that offensive line that south carolina's got well kirby was incredibly uh complimentary of spencer rattler yesterday for for what that's worth and, and he should be spencer rattler hale right now I mean, I, I get it. You know, it was it, it's only little old Furman, right? Um, and and North Carolina, I think their defense is better than they've been getting credit for. Although App State score on them this weekend, but um, I mean, he's regardless of who they've played, just watching him, his decision making, his leadership ability, uh, how careful he's been with the football. Uh, you you can you can always look to competition to gauge or judge your own players. That's fair. That's more than fair. But at the same time, sometimes you just have to look at the development and growth of your own players regardless of the competition. And it's just really hard not to see at this point in time a maybe a Spencer Rattler that's playing the best football of his entire career, and that includes Oklahoma. Yeah, he's been really accurate too. I mean, he's he's putting putting the ball where it needs to be in, in the right spots and, and hadn't come close at all to, to putting it in jeopardy, throwing an interception, I don't think. I mean – Two incompletions against anybody is really, really good. And obviously, Furman's a top 10 team at the FCS level. So they're a pretty good team. They're very, very old, a lot of veterans on that defense. So it's not like it was just a, a walk in the park FCS game by any means. Uh, and, and, and Rattler was really good. And obviously, the test will be even greater than it's been last week and the week before that, playing in Athens against uh, a talented defense. Uh, maybe against some of the best safeties in the country. I know there are a lot of people around here in Columbia who, who are probably side-eyeing me when I say this, but Georgia's got the best safeties in, in the country more than likely. I, I think a lot of people would agree with me, uh, whether yeah. it's Malachi Starks or or Tyke Smith or whoever else they got. Uh, names escaping my, my head real quick, but uh, they're, they're really good, and I think it's going to be a challenge – for Rattlers is kind of where I'm going with this. It's, it's, it's going to uh, go up a notch, to say the least. We'll get to the we're going to get to the personnel in just a second, specifically up front. But just picking your brain now through eight quarters, watching game one and then watching game two. Dow Loggins calling the plays. 
what have you what have you seen with your eyeballs that you have maybe I don't know if it's fair to ask you this question, but I'm going to do it anyways. Answer it how you want. Like or disliked about the transformation of this offensive system? Uh, they're they're executing. I, I think that was one of the biggest, if not the biggest, issues we saw the last two years, especially last year. With, since Rattler was a the quarterback, there, there were times when they just couldn't execute, and that was against lower level competition or you know SEC teams that they had had some very true. Some runs where they couldn't couldn't throw the ball. They certainly couldn't run it, and they're throwing the ball a lot better than they ever did last year outside of the, the Tennessee game. Uh, and and granted, the the ground game has still had its issues. Uh, I, I think it's it's been really solid. And from an execution standpoint, I, I don't know how much different it is from from the plays and the concepts and what they're doing. I think there's some similarities there, but. Uh, I think the execution just to me is what, what really stands out. And, and that starts with making sure your guys know what they're supposed to do and, and are put in positions to go out there and, and make those plays and give themselves the best chance to make those plays. So that to me is, is where it's most noticeable uh, in that it's, it's looked pretty, pretty dang good uh, from a passing standpoint so far. And, uh, and as long as it continues to, to, to go at this level, uh, I, I think this offense is, is going to, you know, ten games from now be be a pretty formidable unit, regardless of, of where the run game is at. If they can keep throwing it at this rate, it's it's going to be a pretty good group, all things considered. Mark is in the chat box from Vegas. Good morning out there in Las Vegas, Mark. Hope the weather's nice. All right. Um, well, you can't move the football unless you can block, and according to the uh, very very mathematically talented John Whittle. Uh, the snap count this weekend went 71-71 for the interior guys. And the highest snap counts were at the, ta- at the tackle positions were to freshmen, Trevon Baugh, and Big Tree. Um, do you, would you, and I'm sure this question is going to be asked to Shane today, so we'll wait and see what his answer is. But based on their performances this past weekend and their potential, would you anticipate those snaps continuing to increase? For the freshman, yes, sir. That's that's a pretty tough ask, in my opinion, for for two guys who who just played in their first game against Furman. I mean, Georgia's obviously a much different caliber opponent, and playing on the road is a lot different than playing at home. Uh, you know, we talk about putting guys in opportunities to succeed and do well. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be. Uh, an opportunity to succeed or do well for a freshman who's playing in his first SEC game against the two-time defending national champion at their house at 3:30 on CBS. Like that's that's a big ask, and and I you know I'm not sitting here saying like those guys shouldn't play, but to be like yeah they need to start and 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 just throw them to the wolves like it, it doesn't get much <laughs> more challenging than than what what that would be. So I. I can't imagine that uh, that all of a sudden just just some some good snaps against Furman is going to just totally change things from a philosophy standpoint of of getting these young offensive linemen out there. Like, will they play? I, I'd imagine they'll get rotated in there and and see what they got. But I wouldn't feel good about counting on on uh, Tree and and Trovon uh, lining up, especially 
you know, very first series of the game and, and trying to go out there and run the football or, or block for Spencer Rattler, who's trying to throw the ball downfield. Like that's, that would be dangerous. And, and not that some of the other options aren't dangerous, but again, just they're freshmen and, and putting those guys in that type of situation is, is a risky proposition. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I I don't know that any of us know the answer. I mean, I think that they're better football players than the old guys, personally. Um, but they're young, as you as you've just just pointed out. Those are their first snaps of their collegiate careers. Um, the running back position, I made a pretty bold statement yesterday. I'll stand by it. I think Mario Anderson's the best running back on the team. Um, but JC has reported he said it yesterday. He reported on the Big Spur as well. They don't. He doesn't anticipate at least the depth chart changing. Um, but that's been proven around before that that doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot. I mean, Hale, when you watched Mario Anderson run the football last week, not writing off Juju, I think Juju needs more snaps. I think some people think he doesn't. I, that's not, I, in my opinion, that's not true. I know he's small, but I think he needs more intense snaps a game. He's a good football player. Um, those two specifically, Braswell's a young kid, but they're going to keep bringing him along. Do, do you feel like based on, again, it, sure, it was Furman, but I'm talking about just what a running back looks like. Like, do you are you a running back or are you not a running back? Those guys, they run the football. I mean, that's what they do. Do you think that they will or deserve more time? Based on what I saw from Mario Anderson compared to what I saw from the carry on joiner against Furman, I thought Anderson was the better back that day. And and I think it was pretty clear. Um I it goes back to the point I made last week, JB. Like the carry on joiner from start to finish of the offseason was the guy at running back, was was the guy that everybody on the record, off the record, behind the scenes, however you want to frame it, Joyner was most consistently the best option they had at running back. Yes. And I, I know, like, games matter, and, like, that's that's ultimately what means the most. But, like, we can't just sit here and, and try to erase eight-plus months' worth of worth of work and and give it to, to Mario Anderson because he looked better on, on a few snaps against Furman. Again, I thought he was the best looking running back in that game. For sure. Like I'm I'm not saying that he wasn't, but like there there's some nuance to this. It's not it doesn't just happen in a vacuum. Like there's like yep. football is is more than just, hey, this guy looked look really good against against a, an inferior opponent. So let's Again, throw him to the wolves. Like he's never played an SEC game. Like Dakarion Joiner at least has won a game in Athens. Like as a player on the field making plays, uh, you know that stuff means something. Everything you did in the offseason means something. Not to say Mario Anderson isn't good in practice or doesn't work hard. I'm sure he he works as hard as he can. But maybe, just maybe, he's one of those guys that's better on game day. This is just me kind of thinking right yep. here like there, he would yeah. not be the first football player in the history of football to be a better football player when the lights are on and it, and it counts like that's that that would not be a new development you know generally speaking so if that's the case then then yeah they definitely need to continue to to get mario anderson carries and, and i do think that he needs to to continue to to, to have runs and, and be a part of the offense for sure but uh yeah I just throwing to carry on joiner out the window and then sent calling calling this transition to running back a, a failure is and it's still early. Like there and yeah and there's there's a lot to consider too. 
Well, you can't do that for for two. First of all, uh, let's number one, DeCarion Joiner is the heart and soul of the team anyway. So you can't just set him on the bench, and they're not going to do that. And we know that they're not going to do that. I think I what you're going to end up. This is just a personal opinion again, Hale. Just talking ball, right? I think yeah. what you're what we're going to end up finding here as time goes on is that all these guys, Logans will have a little bit of an issue because they they all bring something to the table a little bit different, but you, you can't necessarily give it away on film and you can't give it away with personnel packages and things like that. So what am I, what am I saying here? I think when you're inside the five, six, seven yard line to carry on joiner, he sniffs the end zone. He always has when he's down there, he scores. I mean, he's done that his whole career. Um, you know, Mario Anderson is a guy who's probably right now the most natural running back on the team. The most talented running back on the team is probably DJ Braswell, but he's a true freshman. Uh, you know, the guy probably with the most um, with with the most potential to be lethal at this point in time is Juju McDowell. But, you know, he's not a 20 carry a game guy. So he's got a coach Loggins has a bunch of guys with a bunch of different things that they bring something positive to the table. I'm just really interested and fascinated to see kind of how it all works itself out how the carries split themselves and things like that. And and as you pointed out, and I hope you don't think I was insinuating that because don't, you cannot just kick the carry on joiner to the curb. You'll lose half your team if you do it, number one. Uh, and number two, he has done nothing but save your rear end around here for the last couple of years. So they got to find a way to make everybody have a valuable role. And, and I'm just really anxious. That's why they get paid all the money to do it. So I'm anxious to see what that looks like. I know you. I know you wouldn't throw a Charleston guy under the bus, JB. So I, I was speaking more generally you about Fort Dorchester, though. I mean, he's yeah. a Fort guy. You know, I, I don't know. That. So is Look Mario. Up. So is Mario. No, That's Mario's true. a Stratford guy. Mario's a Stratford guy who who played for a guy that I played for. So I, you know, I got you know. Look, I you got to be masterful, uh, you know, and, and look, you don't have. Oh, by the way, welcome, the, the, JC Shirt. Thank you, thank you. That was, uh, <laughs> nice, was nice show this morning with, with JC and Morgan. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, you got to be sly with your rotation. This is one thing I thought Todd Monken, uh, among the many great things he did at Georgia as the OC, was masterful with because they had they were four deep, really not a superstar, you know, um, especially last year, but. They all had kind of different roles. They were all kind of a little bit different. And you could never kind of – you could never really tell what they were going to do, you know, depending on the back. The problem you face, the challenge if you're Dowell Loggins, is number one, you know, you, you've got to – you've got to kind of thread the needle if you're going to rotate four. I mean, you got to thread the needle to do that. I don't – you know, I, how, how do you do it, though? I mean, you know, you right. can't just always tip off and say – Exactly. Well, Juju's in. We're going to run to the outside, uh, et cetera, exactly. et cetera. You know, we're going to yep. pass with the carry on because he's the best blocker, that kind of thing. Uh, but but it can be done. You, what you have to do is just kind of figure out a niche. It's almost like your, your little secret that you have, you know. Well, hey, uh, we're going to show this, but this is what's actually going to happen when these guys are in. So you don't you don't tip off your tendencies, uh, and that's a challenge. I've I've very very rarely have I seen teams that that are that have basically four running backs that can go play, which I think South Carolina does. Um, very, very few times have I seen them master that, uh, Georgia being the exception. 
uh, Alabama maybe once uh, <clears throat> when they had like uh, what's his name that was the from California that was the number one pick. He was fourth team and got like five carries in the national championship game or whatever. But uh, you know, there's a way to do it. I just I'm not I'm not smart enough to wrap my head around enough to say specifics. Uh, I have faith that Dowell Loggins could figure it out if if he wanted to, if that's the way they wanted to go. Um, but, but the bottom line is this too, and I said this before, and it's going to be a, a talking point all year. Uh, th- there's no reason for the room to be like it is. Uh, and that's that gets back to recruiting, retention, development. And, you know, they, 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 they need to get all of those guys better in a hurry, number one, with what they've got now. And then number two, they got to recruit better at the position. You can't keep, you can't lose all these guys early. You know, Kevin Harris takes off for the NFL. First thing, Zaquandre White. First thing, he's out the door. Rashad Amos is gone, right um, out the door. Deshaun uh, and Marshawn Marshawn Lloyd surprisingly out the door, and then you don't replace them. I mean, what's well, gonna, what, what, what mean, do you guys think is going to happen? What, what do you think is going to happen? I I agree with you, but I mean, it, not to not to call you out or anything here. I'm not, that's not my point. None of that crap matters this weekend. They're playing Georgia with what they got. So they got to figure out how they're going to get these guys in the game and and when they're in the game, which ones move the football on the field, right? You see what I'm you, you know, I like I'm not trying to be a jerk. I don't want you to take it that way, but No, I mean, I, I agree. It doesn't matter this weekend at all. You got to get you got to get them correct. You got to get them Yeah. You, you got to get those guys right, you know, and uh, Right. Right. And and if that's Mario Anderson, it's Mario Anderson. If it's Joiner, it's Joiner. If it's Juju, I, I wouldn't keep running him up inside. I, I just – and, I, again, I, I, it's one thing to say, okay, we don't want to tip our hand and always run Juju that. We're going we're gonna to be sly about it. Right. But it's quite another thing to, to not play to your strengths and continue to beat your head against the wall in that manner. Uh, if I had any issue with play calling or anything, it would be like uh, there's too many inside runs with Juju McDowell right now. Um, yeah, yeah. but that's, that's a minor thing. And, and, and maybe Mario can eat those snaps and you split Juju out a little more. I mean, there's all kinds of, so there, and look, Juju. there's, there's all kinds of things you can do. You can't tell me either. Dowell Loggins does not have a different game plan for Georgia than he did for Furman. <laughs> I mean, this guy's coach for 20, I mean, he's got a lot of experience coaching. Uh, chances are we're going to see some stuff that, that maybe we didn't see uh, on Saturday. I haven't seen before on yeah. Saturday. Yeah, yeah, I agree. What about the defensive line, Hale? What, what are your thoughts there? How did you think Jordan Strong did Saturday? I went back and watched the game. I thought he played better than I thought Saturday night. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't rewatched it. Uh, started a little slow. I, I, I thought it took him a little too long to, to get going and, and get some push. I mean, they didn't have a tackle for loss until, you know, a few minutes into the third quarter. So the, there, were, there were still some concerns that way uh, for me. Better, obviously, because the competition wasn't as as challenging as it was in week one. But uh, still, still a concern for me, especially as as it relates to this matchup with Georgia and their offensive line, and, and as good as they've been, and and all that. I, I think there's still some concerns for for the short term. But uh, I don't know. Maybe they maybe there's something for them to build on. Like they did have some success uh, during the third quarter against Furman, and, and even. Uh, I guess maybe in the second quarter and getting some of those young guys some, some snaps is is probably a good thing as well to help help them get their feet wet and try to get them coming along a little bit uh, more as well. But uh, 
Yeah. Now we'll see. I, I, I keep trying to get ahead to this George matchup, I guess, but uh, if there is a, a reason for optimism for South Carolina, I mean, George is still trying to figure out what, what they're doing with their running game and, and their right. running back situation. I mean, it's been 15 years or so since we, we've seen a, a Georgia backfield that, that looks kind of in the state that it's in right now. So it's, it's unfamiliar territory when looking at this game. So I, I think maybe there, there's, again, some, some reason for optimism as, as you try to figure out where, where South Carolina can have a chance in this matchup. Yeah, guys, I, I'm going to throw this pertaining directly to the game this week. I'm going to throw this at you and see what you think. I, I was on the phone with Flint last night. Of course, he had his wine. I had my Dixie vodka. And, um, and we, we, generally when that happens, we, we've got it all figured out. You know, we need to call Shane and whoever and just let them know, well, here's what you do. But we, we're I'm, – I'm kidding. But we, we were, were literally discussing like a dream scenario for Carolina. Not a dream, but – what would be the ideal scenario to, to open the game on Saturday? And I mentioned to Mike last night, I said, Mike, if you hopefully you win the talk. If you win it, defer. Don't take the ball. Defer. Uh, if they score, they, they score. Um, if you go into halftime down, you're going to go into halftime down anyways. You're going to get the ball the second half. If you go into halftime by some chance with the lead, clearly you get to build on it. But here's the thing. If you defer and Georgia gets the ball, just send the house in the first series and see what happens. This is Carson Beck's first start in the SEC, right? Yeah. S- send him. See what happens. Put some pressure on him. You know, if he beat if he beats you, he beats you. But you know, give him the ball to where the crowd's not on you from the opening kickoff, and just send your guys after him and see what happens. We'll see how he responds. Carolina's been opportunistic with turnovers for three years under Shane Beamer. Give it a shot. I'm not against it. Uh, Beamer right. does tend to want to want the football. Though. I know. That's what I'm saying. Defer. And let's get Beamer on the phone and let him know that this is what he needs to do. <laughs> Break right. the tendency. I'm gonna, uh, <laughs> Bill, I'm going to text you Shane's number. You tell him he needs to get in here just before his one thirty. I'll just forward to him here. Yeah, send him but, a little clip of the show. I mean, here. like, Georgia is the best team. In the, this would be the biggest upset in the history of the program if you can do it. But you can't do it unless you take chances. And, and and those are the type chances they're going to have to take this weekend, Hale, all in all, through four quarters. Yeah. Somebody's asking if Evan Warrior is going to play. I doubt it. Yeah. Just doubt what it. about Jatias Gear? Is he looking mm-hmm. – Jatias Gear, is he looking healthy for now, this game? Beamer had a positive Gene. update on him on Monday. Yeah, Sunday Beamer's night, been right? – Hale, mm-hmm. have you noticed Beamer's been giving a pro-style uh, injury report lately? I I definitely have because I write a lot of those injury reports for the bigspur.com. So yeah. I have absolutely noticed, and I think it's great. I wish all SEC coaches had to get yeah. NFL injury reports. Yeah, we sat here and said it. It's like, it would be great if they uh, probable, questionable, doubtful. I like it. I, I like, like that. It. I think they should do that anyways. Like everybody, shouldn't that be widespread in college football? Yeah, because if you want to be coy, you can always say, que- you can just answer questionable for everything. Right. You know, yeah. you're still not well, giving it, anything away. Isn't there wasn't there a coach at one point in time to put questionable for every player on the roster? Who did that? <laughs> Probably Jim Harbaugh. It or, was somebody. Or, yeah. Everyone was questionable one week. And Nick Saban's blasting <laughs> depth charts now. He's like, you're never gonna depth chart for me again, okay? All right. All right, no more depth charts. Come on, man. We have fun with that, you know. But no, I, I think it's good because at least fans know. 
this guy may not play rather than like, oh, we'll see. Oh, well, he practiced. Oh, well, this, that, the other, uh, just because of the uh, – He's fine. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's got he's got a leg. He's fine. Oh, well, we fine. got yeah. Will will be like well, he's he's got a toe. I, I've got I, ten I, of them. I one final quick. Hey, you got to get out of here in thirty seconds. Juice got thirty snaps this weekend. Will he be full go at Georgia? I know you'll ask, someone will ask a question today, but your your hunch. I, I'm sure they'll have him on the field and ready to play. I don't know how close to one hundred percent he's going to be, but uh, I think he'll be out there, and they'll probably try to have him more involved than he's been and certainly hadn't been all that involved since he's only got one catch for five yards. So I, yeah. I think, I think we'll see as much of Juju as, as he can possibly give um, no different than kind of what I said in the going into the UNC game. Um, but just as it turned out, he, he wasn't capable of giving a whole lot for, for a long period of time. So you would assume that he's, he's healthier than he was two weeks ago. How much more healthy he is. Uh, I, I guess we'll find out here in a few days, but uh, at least you got Xavier Leggett going. He's he's been pretty damn good, right? So he's uh, something. There's 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 something good to feel, something to feel good about with with him for sure. Yeah, if you could get both those guys out there at the same time performing at the rate at the level at which we know they're capable, you you could. I mean that that might be the best one two punch we've seen around here in a long time at the wide receiver position. I mean a very long time. Hey, we'll let you run. Uh, we know you got players, and um, we know you've got coaches in a couple of hours. So go get them. Go get them, big dog. Give them, go, give them hell out and, there. And go Braves. We'll, hey, we'll do go it, boys. Go Braves. 12 yeah. personnel. That's why the 12's on my screen. Two tight ends Saturday. That would help probably. 12 personnel, brother. You're, you're 12. a 12 guy. All right. Hey, 21 will get you two running backs in the game at the same time, you know. Hey, okay, yeah. Or two two more quarterbacks for, for some people. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> See you, right, guys, man. There you go. Hail McGranahan. Very witty. Hail Owen McGranahan. 11.35. It is time to step aside for a quick timeout. We'll give JC a breather. He's been talking for two hours, mm. but he's got two more hours to go. So hang in there. Mm. We're teed up by TravelingCountryClub.com, the coolest club in the Carolinas. Play golf this fall with TravelingCountryClub.com. We'll be right back. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how bourbon whiskey uh, got its name. And chicken cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271. Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. 
But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy installation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. Hey everybody, this is Mo Copper from Carolina Football. The show is painted garnet black every day by a couple of painters. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com to check them out. Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. Strike me as a uh, as a uh, as a headbanger. Are you a headbanger? Oh, I used to back in the day. You know, I used to have long hair, JB. Yeah, and well, I, JC showed me a, a picture before. I'm pretty sure. Yes. Yep. 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 I, I've uh, I've hurt my neck on a few occasions, swinging my head around at uh, various places. I'm pretty eclectic. I go all over the map when it comes to music, man. I listen to anything. Yeah. Well, you strike me as the head as a headbanger. Well, you were a headbanger at the North Carolina game, technically. <laughs> oh God! Yes, definitely banged my head. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm almost fully recovered from that, by the way. Oh, no, it's looking good. I didn't know if it was makeup or you're just a quick healer. Yeah. No. Yeah. Knees pretty screwed up still. Shoulder hurts. But. Well, you're a TV guy now, you know. So before we cut on the camera, you know, you got the you got the makeup gal, and you know they're peppering your neck, making sure you're not sweating. You got the, you know, you got the little air blower that keeps you cool during the set on the set. It's oh, pretty great. I could use some a pretty of that. big rig you got going on there at the uh, yeah. Dinorama Studios North. Mm-hmm. 
I could, uh, I need a crew hey, of people hey, in here look, to help me with all this. Run downstairs and get my coffee. If you know, I mean, look, look here now. Jug and you know, no. <laughs> speaking, speaking of banging heads, how about the ending to the game last night between the Bills and the Jets? Wow. When that, okay, so Rogers goes down in the fourth snap of the game, and you know. New York people are already wanting to jump off bridges. You know, they've been for the first time in ever since Namath, they have hope, you know, and, and, and then he goes down and you're like, ah, well, so that's gone. And then the, there, you know, at the end of the game, the kicker from Buffalo <laughs> clanks the upright and somehow ricochets through. And I'm sitting here, th- I was talking to Flint. I was like, these people are all going to want to kill themselves. I mean, this is, this is insane. And then the boy takes the back. Couldn't believe it. I mean, that was wild. That was wild. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. I hate it for Aaron Rodgers. I don't. Have we heard anything? It was it Achilles or was it? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, but sure. Yeah, the news broke between shows. It's an Achilles. He's out for the year. Out for the year, man. <laughs> you think he's like going to lose their first round pick over that because there was a seventy percent clause in there for them to get the round one. <laughs> Yeah, the Jets are going to be able to get to keep that pick. Do you and get Rogers back if he hangs around? Hey, do do you think that um, do you think he's done? Do you think? I mean, if you're Aaron Rodgers, why would you want to go through all that? I mean, why not just retire? Ego. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, if I were Rodgers, I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, he just these guys they. Feel like they're invincible, right? I mean, hey, are the Jets going to sign Brady? Ooh, yeah, that's interesting. That's intriguing. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, Zach Wilson, um, you know, led led him to victory last night. So, uh, yeah, no, he didn't. He didn't do anything to lead them to victory. Uh, <laughs> Terrible. I was watching the Manning cast this last night. One. To hear Peyton just like, don't throw the ball, just keep running. Yeah, just, yeah. just hand it off. Breeze Hall, hand it off Peyton. the ball, hand it off to Cook. <laughs> like the beginning of the second half, Peyton was like, I wouldn't throw the ball more than three times in the second half. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they won. I mean, you know, and, uh, the Bills. Uh, if I'm a Bills fan, I'm, I'm kind of worried I maybe missed my window a little bit. Allen, Allen looked terrible. He had a terrible game. Yeah. He turned it over four times, three picks and a fumble. And the fumble hit him in the helmet. He just turned his head too fast on the snap. Flint was like, well, it has been raining. I said, oh, my God, Michael, you're a football player. The center snapped the ball to the quarterback. Catch it. Well, like Marcus Satterfield's offense out there. Right? <laughs> like, oh, what it is? <laughs> Complete the quarterback. Catch a snap. Well, you know, he is an NFL coordinator. so That's true. That's true. Well, that's true. Yeah, I, I – I, um, <sighs> That kid, he's not good. Wilson ain't good. I've never, I've never seen a guy get worse, like coaching wise, get worse from from year. Like, like go through a season, uh, have somebody help him make adjustments, have a big ending to a season, and then go. You know what? I'm just gonna go do what I did the first ten games. Yeah. Wow. I'll be out here where they appreciate me. Yeah, you know, you know, of course, uh, an offense that operates at a glacial pace—the Al, the Al Poop offense, if you will. 
and, and and with seven tight ends on the field at once out of the shotgun, of course that's going to work. It's like he thought when he was going to the Midwest, he also was going back in time. <laughs> yes. I will be back. <laughs> the game will not have passed me by was, out here in the cornfields. I, I, I was like, people were like, you know, there could be some people are getting on Jeff Sims, their quarterback. Ah, man, it's not his fault. He's confused. I, it's I an mean, oversimplification to say that the talent is lacking. The lacking talent is what makes that bad. <laughs> I, I zoned out for 10 seconds. How in the hell are we talking about Marcus Satterfield again? We're sitting here talking about Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Because we were talking how do y'all about... how do y'all work him into every conversation? Well, because you were talking about a snap a snap going off a quarterback's helmet. And I was like, oh, by the way, we saw that a couple of times in the Nebraska game Saturday. Fine NFL game. How does this guy get on our show every day? That's enough. We've had because I'm just so astonished at the hubris. <laughs> I'm, I'm shocked. I'm, I'm like, like I've said it many times. It's like the dude that's the mediocre uh, guy, but there's not a lot of interest, so he gets cast a lot in community theater parts. But he's he's really <laughs> like like they say about sexual chocolate. He's really like good and terrible, right? And then he he goes to L.A. for a year and uh, and 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 it's an extra in a movie that really isn't even that good. Call it a Roland Emmerich film, maybe like a disaster movie. And he happens to get like a little cameo. And then he comes back and thinks he's freaking Steven Spielberg or Martin Scorsese or Robert De Niro or Marlon Brando. And he comes back to the community to show them how it's done. That's the same premise. The exact same premise. And I can't believe Matt Rule fell for it. Uh, That's his boy. Dude, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. I'm convinced he's just a master when he talks about it. Because, I mean, he recruited really well. You know, quarterbacks wanted to, oh, that sounds good. That sounds good. I'll have that. You know, (laughs) excuse me, Flo. That sounds good. I'll have that. Anyway, no, I just – you know, I just, um, it's just astonishing to me. I've watched eight quarters of Nebraska football because it's, it's like a train wreck. Uh, and, and I've watched you know, do that here. So. I was sad that I was right when he was held without a touchdown against a bad Florida team last year and Missouri beat him. I was sad I was right about it. I took no pleasure. But now that he's somebody else's problem, the only sadness I have is for those great Nebraska fans because they're not going to cross the 50 in some of these games. Uh, what, what's Michigan's defense going to do to that jump? Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah, they barely did in the first game. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it gets, Colorado is not a juggernaut defensively, folks. I mean, TCU sort of went up down the field. Do they have to play Iowa this year? That might be the game where Iowa scores more than 25 points. Game maybe 3 nothing. They they play Iowa the last uh, – well, now wait. Is that – that can't be. It's Friday. Uh, Friday yeah, that's the Friday Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving game, yeah. yeah. Black oh, Friday. Literally, be we'll probably be Black Friday. Touchdown scored in that game. That's, that's good. Look, goals so here's what's going to happen, though, because they've got Northern Illinois this weekend, and they're going to hang – 50 on them and everybody's going to think, Oh, okay. It just took us some time to kick it in the gear. You know, we've, we've, I don't know. Yeah. Man. yeah. Northern Illinois is pretty good. I don't know. 
I mean, then they got La Tech, and then they host Michigan. Actually, so they host Michigan. They go to Illinois. Illinois' defense is pretty good. They got Northwestern. Hmm. I don't know. What do you think, guys? Maybe four wins this year? They speaking, might get four. Speaking of people who were here, Brian Halinski, stat line last week, one for one for 85 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. Well, that's what you call That kind of compartmentalizes his whole career at South Carolina. Like, one really good – what like – Every game, good for one really good pass. Yeah. <laughs> I wish he could have really kept it together, man. He had a lot of potential. He still does, I, you know, but I guess they've realized up there that, hey. He's not the guy. Know, here's what he's good for. Let's let him go do it. So, Yeah, they, that, that that school probably doesn't want to see another state of South Carolina transfer quarterback. Johnson do a lot more. Uh, from, from Hunter from Johnson. Who returned to Clemson? Who went back to Clemson? All right, we got to hit our final timeout of uh, hour one. Mike Morgan is ahead at uh, noon. Look forward to getting him here. And we got Shane Beamer's press conference coming up at 1 30. Big day. Hang tight. Inside the game, Cox, the shit served by Chicken Cock Whiskey. We'll be right back. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Cool Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast, the char level. We use a number three level char. If you char it too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer, just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is.
think he knew when he smiled into that camera how ready he was for the 2023 football season? We'll find out exactly how ready he is this weekend against the Georgia Bulldogs and that defense over there. Yeah. Uh, Little stout this weekend, but yeah, I think they'll be ready. Oh, this is it's the best defense you'll see all season by a landslide at this point in time. And um, um, who's better on the schedule than Georgia's? No, yeah, nobody. No, Missouri. No, Missouri would be close. It's it's not bad, but it's Cle- not. Clem- Clemson should be better. I, I don't know what the issues are up there. A and M, I guess not. I guess they're not very good, <laughs> you know. Uh, so yeah, you're right, uh, JB. I, I would, I would, I would would not argue with that at all. I will say they don't have the same players they've had the last two years. They've had to replace them with people that are talented, but uh, you know, you do that know. every year. <laughs> Well, but it's the same thing. Like at Clemson, when you when you talk about oh, well, they replaced Watson with Lawrence, and then all of a sudden they go to to DJ Ungle a lot, and everybody just says, "Oh, well, five stars again." Take us the national championship. The next thing you know, eight for twenty nine, and uh, he's at Oregon State now. So that's uh, you just never know, is what I'm saying. Now, dude, am I disagreeing with you? No. I'm not, but I would much rather be playing Georgia right now without Jalen Carter in the middle of that defense than if he were to he had to come back. You know, yeah. Uh, much rather, much rather take my chances with uh, with those other guys. So, yeah, they they're loaded, and when you have Kirby Smart and Will Muschamp overseeing your defense, uh, it's hard to hard to predict they'll ever have a down year. You know, regardless of what the people around here think about Will Muschamp, he's still a hell of a defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Always, totally. always has been. Um, I'll tell yeah. you, with that style of defense, so you you do have, and here's some here's a little chunk of hope, a chunk of hope, if you will. When it has broken down, mm-hmm. and this is Alabama, this is that system, right? Number one, teams that can throw the ball vertically because they throw it over the top, all that pressure and confusion and all that. You know, we saw Ohio State do it. We saw Florida do it in 2020 when they had the number one passing offense in the history of whatever. Um, We saw Ohio State do it uh, in in the semis last year. We saw Alabama do it in the uh, SEC championship game in 2021. Bryce Young just chunked it all over, right? And Georgia struggled. Georgia probably would have struggled in the national championship game too at Alabama's receivers not been hurt. They say guys dropping balls. Uh, and so that happens. And then number two, historically that defense, uh, even with Saban, they struggle a bit with tempo um, at times. Uh, Mississippi State, again, it was 2020, but they lost 31-24 in Athens. Played them close because they struggle with that spread tempo stuff. So, uh, and I think if you look back 2021, uh, I thought actually for the first half, you know, Satterfield had a pretty good plan. They just didn't have the guys to go do it. 
you're basically trying to go vertical with Zeb Nolan and Josh Van, and hey, it worked a few times. But then you got in the red zone, couldn't run the ball. You're giving up chunk yardage, and, and the game was over. But uh, so, so with how South Carolina plays right now, and how they have to play to their strength offensively, you know, history does tell us that teams that are set up that way, at times, not all the time, but at times, Tennessee certainly couldn't do it last year. At times. Uh, give the Bulldogs uh, fits. So we'll see. Yo, I agree. Look, man, there's a there's a way. And somebody's uh, said it in the chat box already, and we've been saying it around here a long time. You got Spencer Rattler, you got a chance. And uh, they've got him, and they've certainly got that chance this weekend against them dogs. Mike Morgan's going to have plenty on that here in just a little bit. He is coming up next. Power Hour, presented by Palmetto Medicare and Brian Spencer. We're going till one thirty today, right, guys? Leading into Shane. You want to? Yeah. I could probably make that happen. Oh, one, I got 125. Oh, we you got to get out of 115. I'll have to dip. Crazy. I've got, yeah, I'll get out of one. But y'all keep going, man. Rock and roll. Get right into Shane Beamer's press conference. Yeah, 125. Awesome. Yeah. Tuesday overtime. Overtime. OT. OT on ITT. You're down with OTT? Yeah, you know me. Uh oh. (laughs) Uh, Bill, you like that music too. Hey, my my OPP uh, Uh cover is about the old country buffet. You're down with OCB? Yeah, you know me. (laughs) Oh, I miss the old country buffet. OCB, I can't explain it. I got to get a plate and fill it up with me. I don't do the Golden Corral. Uh, yeah, Golden Corral uh, breakfast every breakfast, like uh, I'll do every, breakfast about every nine months. I'll hit the breakfast, but oh yeah, I, I'm not a. a I haven't been at Golden Corral in years. I miss Ryan's and Quincy's. I do too. I grew up. Uh, yeah. I I grew up on Ryan's and Shoney's. My aunt worked at Shoney's when I was a little kid. I love mm-hmm. me some Shoney's too. And yeah, Shoney's used to have the bomb breakfast buffet. Oh yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. With a little, little sauce, little hash browns. Yeah, every the, time, every, the nacho cheese. Every time I see a Denny's, I think of uh, of Tim Allen with Santa Claus. <laughs> They're out of everything. <laughs> we did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike's wait. You, you know how Mike gets, man. You make him wait. You start mm. paying fines, and oh, he yeah. starts sending you nasty messages. He was in here real stuff. early, I think. Yeah. Did a uh, timeout. We are built by the Barn Doco. Man, those houses. I, I'm going to build one one day. That's the dream. That's the dream. It's at least my wife's dream. Better make a lot of money, JB. We'll be right back. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style. In seconds, they're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nanasporch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in a Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Hey folks, it's JB, and as we all know, it's football season. My favorite place to shop for myself and the family is Gamecock Traditions in Lexington. They have the widest selection of Gamecocks attire, plus all the cool accessories for tailgating, cooking, kids, shoes, hats, and so much more. Most importantly for me, you can order online at GamecockTraditions.com, and it's shipped timely to your door. I've been shopping here for years, and I hope you will too. Order online right now on the Chief Sports app. Go Gamecocks. Phil, you just cutting us on here? No, I thought I was playing a video here. <laughs> All right. Thanks, StreamYard. <laughs> yeah, I hit the button for the video to go, and it didn't go. Twelve oh four, hour two here on the Tuesday afternoon, September the twelfth. Welcome back inside the Gamecocks, the show. It is Power Hour with our friend Mike Morgan, and uh, Mike. Yesterday, we kind of teed up part of this conversation because there's a lot that changed in college football, or at least is changing in college football, and you're the only one that can make sense of it, so good to see you, dude. What's good show this morning, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we um, – it's funny. We, we're, you know, we've been doing this for a while now, but we've never been so structured and organized, and, uh, you know, we've got uh, Phil – pulling off his magic in the background and then we've got scheduled breaks and you know for a while there jc and i it was truly just a a free-for-all uh just sign on and shoot the you know what and uh and go and that you know that worked for us too but i think we've uh we've kind of cleaned some things up and um as we continue to grow we uh we we try to keep everybody happy with kind of covering everything which, uh, of course, a lot of that does involve the SEC, which I know we'll mm-hmm. get into today. So I, I, I'm, I hear from a friend of mine who's also a fan of the show saying, yeah, man, uh, JB was on yesterday. And I said, about what? I, I wasn't even on yesterday. So, well, <laughs> he said he, he's, he's, uh, he's talking about the state of college football and, and that you guys have a disagreement. I said, yeah, I don't know what the disagreement is. So let's let's get to this. Big let's, disagreement. Let's talk about it. All right, this big is, disagreement. 
It's a, it's a, it's a big. No, it's not. But we had this conversation. Well, it, it is a disagreement. I don't know how big it is, though. So I, I'm I, cool I with a disagreement. That's what makes the world go round. I've, uh, I have said that. You know, I've said this before because when I had, um, when I was on JB and Goldwater and and uh, prior to that on ESPN, we, we used to have a lot of these conversations, and that I felt that a larger platform would provide more opportunity for the sport to to grow. And I meant that in, in the form of a of a playoff. Mm-hmm. But I've heard repeatedly from many, many, many people over the years, and you've said a lot of this too, is that there's three or four every single year. There's three or four every single. Well, now you've got the transfer portal and you've got NIL, and we're actually seeing this year the first direct result of those two things. Um, it's not the same three or four teams. Georgia's still there. While all the others are are good, you know, we won't know to the end of the year, Mike, but certainly Texas looks pretty good. Florida State mm-hmm. looks pretty good. Um, we've seen Michigan crawl their way up there. Is Southern Cal going to have a crack at this thing? Washington might be a little bit better than people were thinking, um, and so on and so forth. You know, And I think that what we're seeing now is a larger pool. Like if, if I asked you today, George is probably all of our answer of – or at least our first answer, who can win the national championship? Behind that, I used to probably only give you one or two names, maybe three. But right now, I, I would say that that has already grown itself. And so that's, that's what I was getting at. I said, I, yeah. I think I have disagreed with this a little bit because I've said for a long time, you, you expand that playoff and you provide teams more opportunity to get a crack at it, get in there and play mm-hmm. for this thing, hang the banners. You got the portal. Hey, look, we were in it last year. Now we, we get you. And I just feel like you could really, really start to see college football start to turn itself over pretty quickly. Yeah, I don't know if we disagree on as much as you think we do. Um, I, <laughs> I First off, I mean, I've always been an expansionist. Um, I yeah. thought four was too low a number, but I promised I promised everybody that would listen that after suffering through 20 years of the BCS, I wasn't going to complain because I was just so happy to shed that albatross around college football's neck. Um, but I knew we wouldn't stay at four, and four was never the right number nor would it be the final number i thought eight was and then i had to kind of get warm up to 12 and now i'm there like i'm i think we have the sweet spot uh and then they devised a, a formula to get that 12 that i thought was like remarkably good and that of course the the pack demise and they're gonna have to recalibrate that um so a couple things there's no question the the expansion of the playoff is good for more teams 12 teams means more teams have a chance to get into the playoff um to your point on look at all the teams that have a chance to win this thing. Remember now we've played two weeks, so sure. <laughs> let's, let's give it a few more. It's a, it, it's, it's a game of survivor. Some, some guys are going to get kicked off the Island here in the next few weeks when the, when the schedule beefens up. Um, but your, your larger point. Yeah. There's some potentially some new old blood. Like it's not like the tier two teams are all of a sudden going to contend for the national championship this year or next year or the year after it's it's powers or as i call them volcano programs that went went dormant for a while for whatever reason bad coaching hires scandals probation whatever uh but they're back now so florida state is back now for now uh they still got to play miami i mean they got a load of games uh texas was the story of this past weekend. And that was go back to our picks. 
I didn't say they win the game outright, but I certainly felt like they could because I didn't see a huge difference in talent and other key positions. And I thought Ewers, Milrow, advantage Ewers, and that played out. Uh, But all that being said, when we're having this conversation in late November, December, I still think it's going to be the traditional powers that are going to be in the four-team playoff. Some of them just haven't been a power for the last five years, ten years. But it's not like, I mean, again, it's not like we're talking South Carolina, Kentucky, Ole Miss, uh, Michigan State. We're talking about them for other reasons. Um, Oklahoma State, uh, you know, Iowa. Like, those teams... Even with a 12-team playoff, I don't know if they're all of a sudden magically going to turn into national championship contenders. So I, I think the more things change, the more some things have changed have, have stayed the same. And to the point of the portal and NIL and everything else, it helps everybody, but it helps the big dogs more, in my opinion. I, I just think the chances of Georgia and Bama and Ohio State, Michigan having an off year are smaller than ever because now they can that one weakness they have where they lost a guy to graduation at a key spot or multiple guys at, at the key spot. Well, they can go to the portal and fill them and they already, and they'll fill them with the complement of four and five star recruits and players all around them. So I hope you're right. I hope that there's more new blood in the, in the national championship picture. I just don't necessarily see it right now. Well, to your point, it's, it is way too early. We don't have a 12-team playoff right now. We will next year, I think. Um, and, and it is too early in the season to say, well, all of these teams or these are the teams that are com- going to compete for the national championship. I, I do think that there is a larger pool this year. I don't know that there's any one dominant in the sport, maybe with the exception of Georgia, of course, South Carolina. We're going to talk about that game. South Carolina looking to, to, you know, pull what would be the shocker of all shockers this weekend in Athens, certainly, um, Mike. But, I mean, also, like, if you would have told me two years ago when everybody was making fun of Mike Norvell that this is where the Knowles would be, I wouldn't have believed it. And yeah. as, as, much, as much history as that school has and tradition, I wouldn't have believed it. If you would have told me that, Clemson would be out of the top 25 right now. They've done nothing with the portal. I mean, let's face it. That You talk about not what's not. Right, exactly. Like that's that's a Dabo that, decision. That, they could. Yeah. And, and chosen it behoove to. them to do it. I, I don't know how long Dabo stays with his guns on that, but by all accounts, it's the wrong decision. It is. If there's an example of what not to – the ACC, those two teams in the league – Here's how you do it, and here's how you don't do it. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. And look where they are in college football, right? And yep. then, you know, Alabama is, is sitting at one and one. They've certainly utilized the portal. Portal, but I was a big believer in Bama. I'm not. I, I don't know that I am or am not. I, I think that I just wasn't as big of a believer as I should have been in Texas. Um, but so I, I, getting to your point here, the. The best play, the best teams are always going to continue to bring in the best players, but it doesn't mean that they're always going to win either. And it will True, provide yeah. opportunity for True. that second tier blue collar type group to, you know, somebody to get up there 
and build a name for themselves, just like the Tigers did, what, eight years ago, 10 years ago, whatever that was. Well, listen, folks, you know, we, we, we've we been living in a world for the past 15 years where there's essentially been one dominant program. You know, we, we, we sit there, you know, and, and right now, I don't know that you, I, I know George. You're talking about Bama. Yeah. You're talking about I, Bama. I'm talking about the University of Alabama. Uh, and, and it, it's because in college football, you don't win it every year. It's a, it's impossible. Uh, it, they'll never, it, it, but their streak is similar to UCLA in men's basketball in the seventies. I mean, UCLA actually won the titles, but in college football, it's just so hard because uh, you get a bad matchup. You have injuries, you have all kinds of stuff. It's a one shot deal. You have 30 days off, you know, you, you run into situations, uh, as Michael tell you, sometimes you just don't have the quarterback to get you there. Um, and so I, I think the tendency is to maybe gravitate toward, you know, since we've been living through all this, you know, to gravitate, well, who's the next dominant team and think they're going to go on a 10 year run, but really that hasn't happened outside of Alabama folks. Uh, Florida had a nice little run, you know, went back Southern Cal had a nice little run then they came back. Auburn's been up. Auburn's been down. Um, it remains Georgia to be seen has if, a chance. We just yeah, haven't. It, it remains to be seen if Georgia stays at that level or, or not. Uh, I think you're both right. I think the portal does, uh, and and we're about to see that with Georgia this weekend. You know, if you looked at one weakness they had last year, it was probably receiver. They were just kind of so-so. When when Lad McConkie's your go-to guy, and nothing against Lad, I love him as a player. Uh, you know, you, you probably. You're not as good as some other teams at receiver. Like, they weren't Ohio State at receiver. Well, they go and get one of the leading receivers in the SEC and Dominic Lovett from Missouri and Ra Ra Thomas, who was explosive for Mississippi State last year, uh, and rounded out with a portal. They didn't sign a single portal guy the year before. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at Notre Dame. And I think for, like, programs, it's not necessarily – it's the programs like Notre Dame, Penn State, um, Michigan's not really going to use the portal that much because uh, it's just how that's a different build what Harbaugh's done up there. Um, you know that they, they can find that missing piece. Uh, I look at I watched a lot of Notre, I watched Notre Dame three straight weeks now. I'm forced to by gunpoint, uh, and uh, it, it, it they the they <laughs> Sam Hartman is the missing link for them. It, it, I think it's taken a, a very a very good team, you know, from from good to potentially great, and and I think it helps those teams. Now, it let's say some team that's kind of in that Iowa level or or whatever uh, ends up knocking it out of the park one year in the portal, kind of like Michigan State did a few years ago. That could elevate that those programs as well. Are they going to win it all? That's hard. That's very hard. There's been very few that have won it all, guys in this sport. But uh well, so, but I think I think you're both right. I think uh I think it could be a rich get richer thing, but I also think that in certain years. Yeah. Well you know my favorite question that I've I've heard asked before is who's the next program that's gonna win a national title that's never won one before? Oh it's South Carolina. No question. It, Hands down. Yeah. Okay. All right. Remember remember the show we're on here. No I'm just kidding. Um I I, I don't know. That's a really good question. Well, it's a good question that speaks like, to the larger point of where college football is. And for been. all the for yeah. all the changes, um, 
I don't think we're going to see fresh blood win a national championship. Look, I don't look at the top ten right future. now, Mike. SMU. Mm-hmm. Look, look, yeah. Mike, look at the top ten right now. J- just to your point, I, I do think one day it will be fresh blood. I don't know. That I mean, it'll, it'll happen one soon. day. I just don't yeah. know, like, in the next 30 years. Yeah, like all those tier two programs that I mentioned, and there's there's fifty more of them. Are any of them going to step up and win at all? You could say TCU was the closest, and TCU actually has a really good tradition. You just got to go back fifty years, and they got beat by sixty in the title game. They clearly didn't belong on the same field with Georgia, and we haven't had any other examples of that in the playoff era, and we didn't have many examples of that in the BCS era. No, I thought for a while it would be would be Oregon. Oregon, yep. Um, good, good pick. Unsure of that though. Now, I mean, they're going to the Big Ten. I mean, I, you know, like at what point? I mean, it's it, it's right. all about money. At what point in time in the in his in 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 the future? When is this going to be? Ten years, fifteen years, twenty years? When, when there's a new way to make money? Because there will be. There always is. Is somebody at one of these schools going to look around and go, "Why the hell did we join the Big Ten? Or somebody at Cal's going to be looking around going, what are we doing in the ACC? <laughs> you know, like, you know, you just, it just makes you wonder. Yeah. I mean, like, it takes away, I mean, we've joked around about it, about Clemson around here. I'm getting back to your point about Clemson. You know, remember, there's nothing to talk about in July and everybody makes up all this stuff that Clemson's going to the Big Ten and blah, 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 all that crap. Um, why? Why would you ever leave the ACC? You have the easiest path every year to get to the playoff. Why would yeah. you do that? Well, I mean, the, the, the answer is money. Just, yeah, and not just money, like tens of millions of dollars a year. That's sure. a that's not a little gap. That's a chasm. And and nowadays with NIL, when people are buying players, and let's call it what it is, buying players. That's we we pay for play. We pay for stay. You pay for play to get them, and if you don't pay enough to stay, then you're Jordan Birch and you go to Oregon. Like that's just that's where we are in in the sport, and that's not going away. That genie is out of the bottle. So money now, money used to just used excuse me used to just be a an advantage in facilities, and who's got the shinier weight room, and who's got the newest addition to the stadium. After a while, just about everybody has done that. So now where are you spending the money? Well, it's truly going on player acquisition. This is is not true NIL. I mean, JC can tell you I called this five years ago on our JC and Morgan show. Uh, This was always going to be artificial demand. This was truly going to be uh, buying players. And some people will be for that and some will be against and some will be in the middle and whatever. But it is what it is. Uh, that's, That's simply not changing. The other thing is, Jamie, to your question is that it used to be when you only like the BCS era, the advantage of playing in a weaker conference was real. Okay. I mean, it was super because the old school voters, if you went undefeated, they weren't going to knock you below a one loss team with a tougher schedule. It didn't happen. If you played in a semi legit conference with all due respect to Boise state, the mountain West, what have you, you were, you had a fast track to the title game. And even in the four-team playoff, we saw more of the same. But now with a 12-team, just winning the ACC and, you know, looking at that schedule every year, if you're Clemson and saying, well, shoot, we can win at least 10 every year, 
that will mean nothing once you get into the playoff because right. you're going to be facing better teams with more talent accrued with more money by the TV deals in the conferences they play. So that is why I understand your point, but I totally see where uh, the, the bean counters are like, look guys, we can overcome making, you know, five or six less million than the big 10 and the ACC, but we can't overcome 30 million, 40 million, $50 million less every year. That's over 10 years. It's half a billion dollars that you're making less than the other guys. That's just too hard to overcome. There are two different conversations. There's one about money and there's one about winning and money right now is winning out in that conversation between the two. Go ahead. I mean, no, and I think there's a fear too, because just kind of, I was on an NIL panel in Charlotte a couple of weeks ago uh, for the Charlotte sports and business uh, council yeah. appreciate the invite and a, a part of that discussion with some people they kind of work in a different sport spot of it than I do like in athletics administration and uh, sort of some other businesses affiliated with it they all think employment's coming uh, and what mm-hmm. that means to me is where you're going to get those dollars from uh, you're going to get them from from television contracts and because there's no governing body and um in college they football, have it's to, all, it's, have it's all, to have it's, well, it's all done by conferences. So now, yeah, I, you know, if you're Vanderbilt, you're not worried, or, or, or Carolina or Mississippi State or Ole Miss, you know, you're not worried about it. If you're Indiana, you're not worried about it. But if you're in another conference, I mean, that means you're not, you're not going to be able to pay your players as much. The salaries are going to be disjointed. And so I think that's part of the worry is, hey, when that day comes, and uh, the consensus is in college football that it will, how are we going to how are we, we going to pay players? Uh, you know, because th- those TV dollars are real. So that, that's yeah, I, that, it, it, I think I it trickles back to that in a, in a lot of ways. I don't have the first thought of that. I, I I think that I honestly think it when they if they ever go to that model, we're just paying paying guys. Um, I'm, I'm I mean, look, I know some people totally disagree with me. That's fine. I do think there will be a lot of folks who. I'm not going to say we'll stop watching college football. It's a bold statement, but I, I think they'll be a little bit less interested than they were. But, but Jamie, aren't, I mean, we're already there. They're all, oh, they're I all on the payroll, I right? Well, I mean, exactly. I, yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I, I was talking to, uh, I got to be careful here, a, a prominent <laughs> ACC official about a not-so-prominent SEC defensive back who he's known since high school. Uh, who's from the state of South Carolina, I won't say where he plays. And he was saying, yeah, that that dude makes a hundred and something grand a year. He was talking about how much he makes per week or month, whatever, and he's a hundred grand. And I was like, my goodness, he's not even like an all-conference player. <laughs> he's like, yeah, but he had a, he had a good year and and he had leverage. So, I mean, whether we do what we under the title of employment or not, obviously that'll change some things, but we're already there. There is a, there is a, we just don't have a salary cap, but there is a payroll. There is free agency. Uh, there are players. The moment that, that they see an, some extra dollar sign somewhere else, will leave your program in an instant. Mm-hmm. Um, 
all that we're, we're here. Like we're, we're not going back. We're how you, how you organize it is different. And JC's absolutely right. I mean, I don't think we're ever going to have a true czar of college football, which everybody talks about in theory. And I say you're living in la la land. If you think that's actually going to happen because the, it used to be the five families. Now it's really the two families with two others on the periphery. Like you've got, you got Cousins. Tony Soprano of New Jersey, and then you've got uh, who was the guy, the head of New York on Sopranos? I mean, the first head got whacked, and then there was a second head, and then you got like you know the underlings. You, then you got like the underlings, and 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 that are the Big Twelve and the ACC that they're in the room, but they don't have the loudest voice. It's a Greg Sankey, Tony Petiti world, and if you know anything about Tony Petiti. Uh, unlike the guy that they hired the last time at the Big Ten, this guy actually knows TV, has a credible background. Like he is sharp. He is absolutely like you're not going to bully him, and he's not going to sit there and make dumb decisions. Johnny Sack is the guy. Thank you, thank you, Ed. Um, and so those two guys, th- those two guys are going to dictate so much. But they're not going to agree on everything. So they're not going to say, let's give up all our power on how to run college football and the payment of student athletes to some third party in Indianapolis. I I don't think that's happening anytime soon. Every conference is going to look after its own best interest and only its own best interest. And that's that's where we are. They don't care about the common good. They're all looking for an edge. Well, that's a great. Does the point. playoff committee I mean, really wield more influence over the conference commissioners than uh, than the NCAA at this point? Especially the as the conferences, yeah. I mean, the NCAA is correct. a non-factor in almost everything football-wise. Like every yeah. now and then, they'll except come out here who, and they'll except for who plays eligibility-wise. That's right. I think every that's where a lot of this is, is falling. Like they're done with it. People are done with that stuff. Well, you know, well, like how do I they... think the NCAA was able to flex on North Carolina because they knew North Carolina wouldn't push back because it's a basketball school. I mean, and yeah, I don't but... mean that tongue in cheek either. Is that they but know I... that they could get hurt in the basketball season because that's where the NCAA wields their power. But Phil, I think they, I think Mac Brown and the AD, when they call, come out and send uh, very carefully worded. Uh, statements that made the rounds on Twitter and then people like Jay Billis use it as rocket fuel to make a bigger point. I actually think they did flex. I actually think that story, the Tez Walker story, and I think 99% of college football fans had no idea who Tez Walker was going into the season. And then they kept hearing about this kid who may or may not be suspended for the game against South Carolina. And then they kept hearing about the decision whether or not he'd be suspended for the year. And then they saw the verdict and Mac Brown, no matter what you think of Mac, Mac is highly respected uh, and has been around the sport forever. Uh, he comes out and goes scorched earth. That's not Mac Brown like. I mean, so no. that whole story combined with some of the others, yeah. At any moment, they're gonna make a. They're gonna step into the wrong rabbit hole, and the Big Ten, the SEC, is just gonna say, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. We got this. You can close yeah. your doors. You'll be our event planner for basketball, baseball, softball, lacrosse. You'll plan all the postseason tournaments. You're good at that. But you're not good at anything else, and you never have been. And you don't control the purse strings on our football playoff or anything that has to do with college football. And we no longer need you to make dumb decisions that make the the sport look bad and everybody involved at the higher-up level. So I, I think that's the next domino that could fall for certain. 
but make no mistake about it, playoff, 12-team, uh, everything that's changed. The NCAA has become a weaker and weaker animal in this safari. They have very little to do with anything that goes down in college football anymore. Yeah, I, I agree, and I know we got to step aside for a break. I, I, I think that's that's right. That disconnect there. You've got all this stuff over here: the games, the the the, the playoff, the expansion, the NIL, the transfer portal. You got all these. You get. I mean, or I'm not the transfer portal. The NIL, and then you have over here on this side the the transfer portal that somehow the NCAA has control over, but they have control over nothing else but they have control over who plays in the games, but they don't have control over the game themselves. It doesn't make any sense. It makes zero sense. So at some point, I agree with Mike. They're, they're, essentially what you're saying, I, th- I think, they're going to piss off the wrong person. And when that yeah, happens... That up, when I said flex, because I know what you know what we saw was scorched earth from Matt Brown. I mean, you know, and the AD at UNC. But I, I'm saying go so far as to say, screw it. I'm putting, I'm suiting him up, and I'm putting him out there on Saturday. <laughs> and you yeah, what are you going to do anything to me? But that's what I think is like North Carolina draws the line because they know it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Football's not the only thing we got going right now. And the one people you're picking on at that point have can 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 hurt us in lacrosse and basketball and all this other stuff. But you're they, get they elected with nothing but football and be like, you know what? Screw y'all. <laughs> I'm yeah. playing. He, he's playing. And what are you going to do about it? Nothing. Yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> I can well, still they, get into the football playoff. I can still make a bowl game. I can do this, well, this, and this. But yeah, I mean, know. technically, the answer, what are they going to do? They can they can do what they've done in the past, which is uh, disqualify every game that you play them in and, and train wreck your season. They That's still in the rule book that they could possibly do. But I think that rule book is going to either go away or be completely redone. And I think Tez Walker is a player that, again, 99% of college football fans don't really even care about. But he is he he's a foothold. He is a, uh, a symbol of what they want to get away from, which is an awful decision uh, that ruined a young man's season and also uh, potentially damaged North Carolina's future this year. Uh, which should have never happened. And and they're going to use that as yet another symbol. But this one gained a hell of a lot more traction than most. I mean, this happens every year. But well, but this one gained a lot of publicity. How it happened is is the issue. You can argue the rule. The, the, the fact is the NCAA changed the rule after they'd already ruled him eligible. That's right. That's that's what that's the that's where I think anybody that's looked into this at all had the issue. Okay, look, if he trans if the rule is in place and he transferred and he's ineligible, he's ineligible. You might not like the rule. You could fight for the rule to be changed. You can present your evidence uh, for them to overturn the decision. That's all fine and dandy. But nobody understood how he transferred within the rule book. And then 48 hours later, they decided to change the rule and then wait seven months, eight months, whatever it was to declare him permanently ineligible. I mean, what as were you doing? So busy, yeah, as if they're so busy <laughs> doing so many other things in Indianapolis. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, they, what they, took that long? Nothing. They've got millions of dollars to hire however many people you need to figure this out, but they slow roll everything, which is maddening to say the least. 
and and always has been. Twelve thirty four. We do need to hit a timeout. We'll take our next one at one since we'll roll towards the Shane Beamer and press conference. When we come back, we'll get into the uh dogs and the gamecocks with mike i also though want to ask you about the pac-12 they're it's going away and it might be the best it's ever been which <laughs> is really just a shame i mean it's amazing to even think about it but we'll step aside uh quickly gamecock traditions is where you need to get dressed for the ball games they've got new arrivals including the garnet and black shirts with the big circle in the middle and the block c i've got one of those on hold so i can swing by and pick it up, GamecockTraditions.com. You can, of course, go to the Chief Sports app and order online. They'll ship it right to your door wherever you live. You might not have a Carolina superstore next to your house. You could be living in Gaffney. You could be living in Las Vegas. You could be living wherever you are. You can order it online. It's coming to your front door. And very quickly, they ship everything out within just a day or so. GamecockTraditions.com. 1235 Power Hour with Mike Morgan continues when we get back. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say. And so does the Barndo Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated. Hey, everybody. This is Mo Copper from Carolina Football. The show is painted garden and black every day by a couple of painters. Go to letmepaintsomething.com to check them out. Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. Letmepaintsomething.com. Welcome to TravelingCountryClub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to TravelingCountryClub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show.
12.38. Mike, I'm getting in shape, man. I meant to tell you that. Uh, so am I. I did a CrossFit class with my wife last night, oh. and I can barely move today. But <laughs> now, hold on. This just in, she's in much better shape than me. It's not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not doing all that now. I just got the hydro rower from Charleston Fitness Equipment. I, I'm, I'm I'd rather do rowing. that. Yeah. I'd much rather do the hydro rowers. My, my 25, 25 minutes a day is treating me. I feel so good when I do it, too. I always said... When Coach Tanner told me to kick rocks, get get out of here, boy. You're not you're not good enough to be around here anymore. Take off. Those were his, those were his words. Kick rocks, Bradford. More like get them out of here. Yeah, I was going to say Ray was probably a little saltier <laughs> than that. You know Coach Tanner, right? You're not good enough. Yeah. Well, I yeah. guess that wraps it up. <laughs> um, I didn't know you. I didn't but, know you tried out. That's that's actually pretty cool. Well, I was part of it. For a little while, oh six, and yeah, and then the old well, we have five catchers, and you don't get any money, so you it's yeah. over. Well, that okay. 16 is pretty stacked, too. So, yeah, well, you weren't I exactly getting beat out by chopped liver. No, nah, I mean, Trent was fantastic, yeah, the guys, you know, anyway. Um, but for I always told myself after that, you know, hey, look, um, I'm never gonna work out again. Because I've done this forever and I don't want to do it. But then I looked in the mirror about six months ago and thought, <laughs> damn, maybe maybe I was wrong. <laughs> so I went and got the uh the hydro rower and it's uh it is killer, man. I'll have to send you a picture. It's the Peloton of rowing. And does you, I didn't realize rowing you work eighty five percent of your mus of the muscles in your body. It's outstanding it's exercise, yeah. It's crazy stuff. So if anybody wants one, I can tell you where to get it. Charleston Fitness Equipment in Mount Pleasant. Um, before we get to, to Carolina, though, Mike, I mean, obviously, she so got game day going to Boulder this week. They hosted the Big Noon kickoff last week on Fox. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're, this year's um, this year's storylines in college football, you've got Florida State, you've got Texas, and then you've got Colorado. I mean, these these are the storylines. And, and, you know, Dion looked in the camera on Saturday and he said, Tried to tell you all we were coming. We're coming. Now, mm-hmm. okay, uh, they beat TCU. I don't know how good they are. Uh, respectable, no doubt. I mean, they were in the playoff last year in the national championship game. Nebraska, we know who their OC is. Uh, JC's boy. He talks about him every day, so I'm going to do my best to not do that. Um, <laughs> JC got a few digs in on him during uh, JC and Morgan. I put it right <laughs> yeah. on a tee for him. I put it right. It was like putting just a big bloody steak in front of a tiger cage. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, man. So I'm like, I literally, I'm like, welcome to uh, inside the Gamecocks. The show. He's like, uh, Marcus Shadowfield is. Uh, <laughs> what he just woke up and. Uh, you know. Um, and it but was that awful. is. Just, yeah, their their offense is terrible. We we know what that looks like, but you know they're they're the story, and there were eight eight teams in the Pac-12 that are ranked, and this is it. You know, at the end of the year, the Pac-12 is gone, Mike. I, it's early. You said it earlier. We can't overreact. I'm not trying to. But Pac-12 has never had eight ranked teams either, so it is fair to give them their due. And they could be. They could be the best league in college football right now. They probably are, as it stands today. I didn't even check the polls because I, I don't put a lot of stock in them, as you know. Is Washington State in there? Yeah, twenty third. Good for them. So you, 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 you know my background now. I do this every week. I pick a stadium that there's a story behind it that I thought was good. 
I thought Washington State's win over Wisconsin was one of the best stories of the, you know, kind of under the radar. Nobody was talking about it. Uh, I feel Good bad point. for the boys of Pullman. I feel bad for the boys of Corvallis. Uh, they're both in the middle of a lawsuit now trying to at least control what's left of the pack, even though technically those schools that are already leaving are still have the power to vote on things. Imagine that. That's like, you know, you're, you're in your house and your wife's left you, but she's telling you how you should decorate your house. Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> she, she's like, you can have the house, but you need to get rid of the wood and you need to change the color and you need to change the windows. And I'm going to have this done right before I leave uh, and get remarried. Like not, no, sweetheart, that's not how it works, but that's, that's what they're trying to do out there. Um, so uh, kudos to Martin stadium, by the way, real quick. So Martin stadium, I don't think you can see it on that picture behind me. That is the, their goalposts are the, you know, the two stems in the ground, right? There are only three division one college football stadiums that have that. Can you guys name the other two? Um, oh, well, well now hold on here. Now one should now be pretty like obvious. Is, is, is LSU? LSU is the one that should be pretty obvious because that's SEC. Carolina's played there enough times where you know they also do what nobody else does that I know of. They they mark every five yards with a number. So it's not just the 10 to 20, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. So that'd be easy for Todd when you get to the 55. He'll know where it is. (laughs) Uh, No comment. um, To the the 23 years old. Smack uh, me. I'm sorry, Todd. I'm sorry, man. That's right. Now don't look don't look at the chat room. See if you can get the other one. Don't cheat. Well, I don't have the chat room pulled up. I I click it on private a lot so I don't have to look at comments. (laughs) So I'm not looking at it right now. I do. Seriously. All right, I'll I'll give it away. Uh, Hold on, hold on, hold on. Is it in the southeast? No. Oh well, yes, but not in the SEC. No, no. It's um I can see it. Hold on. It's Florida State. Doak Walker. That's right. That's right. Doak Walker State. Stadium yeah. also has it. So I was about three. to say, I just saw it. I just saw it, and I knew I could see it. Florida so State. if you folks want to win a bar bet with your buddies or complete strangers, say, okay, LSU and Florida State have it. Name the other stadium in college football that has it. I promise you they won't They'll. They won't have Martin Stadium on the tip of their tongue. Hey, Martin, how many? 32,000. 32. So I was about to ask. 32,000. They they began ground in the 1970s, then they expanded. Then, like a lot of stadiums, they actually cut back. Like that's a trend now. You're cutting back on seats for more suites, right? Yeah. Uh, but they're right around 32. That looks bigger than 32. It does look bigger. That picture makes it look bigger. There's no question. But everything uh, I've read is 32. Maybe uh, somebody correct correct me if I'm wrong. That's what I read. I've never been. I've all, no, I haven't either. I've always wanted to go though. But- when Leach was there, that place looked like when they were good under Leach, it looked like a blast to watch a football game. Well, I mean, we're going to lose like the Apple Cup is is a great in-state rivalry game. Um, Washington, and they're, they're terrific fans. Oh, I, I hate it. Oregon State's been a, 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 a nice program. It's had some high moments. They Why are they the losing the Apple Cup? Game. They're not going to keep the game? As far as I know, I mean, what I've read, again – the big the Big Ten already has a nine game conference slate. I've heard nothing that says Washington and Washington State are going to definitely keep going. 
Uh, we've already lost Oregon, Oregon State. I think we're going to lose the Civil War. Uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, they pretty much said, nope, we're done with that. So we've lost I mean, Bedlam. They, they can, can play the game. They can, but I mean, this, this is like I was, I was thinking about this after the the Gamecock game against uh, the Tar Heels, and it, it, if the SEC goes to nine, I don't know if that game gets played because you're you're Which just game? You're, the 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 Battle of the Carolinas. Oh, it, North Carolina. Oh, I thought you were talking about Clemson, Carolina. I was like, no, I don't no, no, see no. a scenario that. Okay, no, no, Gamecocks, Tar Heels, like. Uh, when the SEC goes tonight, let me say that because it is going to happen. I agree. I think you're going to lose a lot of those type of matchups. And of course, when you lose it, you're you're like, well, who gives a bleep? We just lost the game. But when you win, it's a pretty damn good feeling, uh, and and it's also a fun matchup that everybody gets geared up for, as opposed to who we got tonight, uh, Southern. Okay, great. I'll watch some of it on TV. Yeah, I. I, 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 that's probably for another day, Mike. I, I, I just, these, these programs, I get it. The nine game schedules and you've mentioned this before. Hey, look, you want to throw in some quote unquote cupcakes if you can to get some wins, but it is, it is so this chasing the money and I get it. You're going to get more money by virtue of contracts and those things. You are, you are shooting yourselves in the foot with your fan base by not playing these games that these people love. I'm talking about, like, you know, if South Carolina and North Carolina can't play for a few years or don't or whatever, okay, people will get over that. But Oregon, Oregon, could you imagine any scenario South Carolina and Clemson didn't? Well, that'll play? never happen. Thank thank Exactly. Goodness. Well, there's, that I think there's a state law about it. I believe, I believe there is, yeah. You know, I mean, it was weird enough to have that game not on the docket during COVID. Right, yeah. the, the the conference only season, but no, that'll never happen. So, but when you have a nine game slate and you have Clemson baked into your schedule every year, so that's ten. We know how daunting the SEC schedule can be. If you're Shane Beamer or the next coach or the next coach after him, um, are you going to take one of those two leftover games and schedule a potential loss? And I'm here to tell you, I think a lot of coaches in that scenario are going to look at it and go, no, thanks. Yeah, not, probably not. Not, not but interesting. That's the same thing for these rivalry games out west. That They should be playing the games. It's not fair to the fans. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you. If it was all about the fans, there's a lot of things that would be different. <laughs> there's no, no doubt I know. about that. Well, none of but this I is going to be fair to the fans. Look at all these. Oregon, every time they travel, they've got to go to the East Coast or the Midwest now. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think, I mean, the thing about that is, like, I don't know. I, I think football travel is so unique that some fans, even though it's going to cost a little extra, don't mind getting on a plane and going somewhere they've never been. Like, Palo Alto is a cool place. And it's, and it's, it's, it, to go there, you know, once every 10 years or whatever, um, mm -hmm. that's not a, that's not a bad deal. Uh, but you're, you know, there there are people that actually do travel for basketball and baseball. I, I see them all the time. They're not going to be able to do that on a on a regular basis unless you have just gobs and gobs of disposable income. So that's where it really hurts. Football wise, travel, it's you know, it's 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 in the fall. You only play in a unique spot once every few years. You might be able to still do that and not be too upset about it. I'm flying to Norman next year. JC's yeah. going. 
Well, I mean, look, if Florida State was in the SEC, you don't think Gamecock fans would show up to Doak Campbell for a for a nice matchup in October? Oh, 12,000. 10,000. There'd be guarded in black all over the place. They'd get that, fan, that fan base Literally. would gobble up those tickets. Yeah. I, uh, garnet and gold. Not garnet. That's the other school with Garnet. Um, yeah. Although, you, although for a lot of announcers, the Gamecocks are red and white and red, maroon. and I mean, I've heard everything. Yeah, McAfee screwed it up in Charlotte. He said burgundy. I mean, come on, man. Shane, Shane should have smacked him. Who did that? McAfee said burgundy. Who did? Burgundy. Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee. You got to forgive him. Oh, I did hear about that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't. And by the way, I'm, I am I actually like what McAfee does. I like his entertainment side of things. I might be one of the few out there, but I do like it. But he messed that up. All right, I'm stuck on this trivia question in the chat box. I've been sketching it out. Squirrel. All right, there are 11 programs. <laughs> Anyways, Mike, so your thoughts on the 12 and winning the national championship. Well, let me tell you about the Georgia-Carolina matchup on Saturday. Go ahead, JC. We're going to get into that. Uh, well, no, all right, so there are 11 schools whose mascot does not end in an S. Like, they're not they're like the Gamecocks, Bulldogs. Yep. I got all right, so I'm stuck. All right, Illinois fighting line, Alabama Crimson Tide, Stanford Cardinal, Notre Dame Fighting Irish, Syracuse yeah. Orange, North Texas Mean Green, the Tulane Green Wave, Navy Midshipman, NC State Wolfpack. <laughs> I'm missing so, I'm missing two, I think. Three, six, nine. Harvard. Yeah, there's two. Harvard Crimson. Well, no, no, he didn't count Harvard. That's, that the, uh, that's one double A. Oh, Massachusetts Minutemen. Minutemen. They no, are one A now. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Now. Yeah. All right, VJ, just give me the tenth one. <laughs> this is this is outstanding. Well, Quantrell <laughs> also mentioned the eighteen dollar beers at the Panther Stadium at Bank of America. That was a yeah. travesty as well. Yeah, that was a Cornell. <laughs> I got Tulane, Brian. My yeah, Tulane. <laughs> All right, anyway. Yeah. Uh, that's besides. Well, let me just try to figure it out in my head. No, no, don't, you know, don't mind us. We're just here so we won't get fined. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined. Y'all, y'all, yeah. Let, the, let right. the chat room do whatever they want to do. We'll just sit here and, you know. Do you, Ball do you, State's do you, the card. Do you want to talk oh, about this oh. game at all? We are going to talk it. about the game because we're going to we're going to hit a timeout in Kent about three State's minutes the here. Golden, come back to the top of the hour. Kent State's the, the Golden, golden flashes, flashes, but not the Golden flashes. Flash. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You are good until, what, 125, Mike? You're okay with that? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Leading into Shane? Okay. Yeah, the power Nevada, hour. Nevada. Nevada, Nevada who is also the Wolfpack. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah, I got my eleven. Okay. All right. That's well, good Woo-hoo! news. Way to go. Twelve fifty four. It was driving All right, me crazy. Phil. <laughs> Phil, any more brain busters? <laughs> Rerudo. <laughs> I got this started with the goalpost question. It's my fault. You can figure I, this I, out. Yeah, it's like yeah. At we, least that was only three answers. So we right. Were, yeah. Right. Yeah. Eleven. It wouldn't take ten minutes of time to compile a, a list. Longer than the Magna Carta. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know. Twelve seventeen. 
<laughs> oh boy oh boy mike uh, before we hit a timeout here we Kamari will lasseter he's tough guys i mean you it, it he covers a lot of ground so if you're xavier leggett just saying we'll get to we'll get, We're to get we we have plenty on that coming up uh i did want to ask you about the finish last night of the jets bills game that was oh gosh crazy. that was crazy the beginning would you, was would you look would you lose some money or something? No, well, no, right? I fell asleep during the when when Aaron Rodgers went down, and I realized my fantasy football team was about to spit the bit. Uh, oh, is he your quarterback? No, Josh Allen was, but Josh was too busy turning it over four times for me to win. Did you see the fumble towards the end of the game that hit him in the helmet? Yeah, I saw that. That was rough. That was brutal. brutal. I got my fanny kicked in fantasy football this week because I made yeah. stupid decisions. <laughs> I left Zay yeah. Jones on the bench. I left. Oh. That, uh, I left Zay, Zay and Zay. I left Zay Flowers and Zay Jones on the bench. You left the Zay brothers on the bench. Both of them. <laughs> I love, I love both of them. You've got to say for, yay to Zay. One play for East Carolina. Yay. One play for Boston College. They both been. I, I think Carolina recruited Zay Flowers. Didn't they? Zay Flowers. No, no, no. Here's no, no, no. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. Oh. Uh-oh. Uh, his coach in high school was named Arturo Freeman. Yep. Oh. Who remembers Arturo Freeman? Oh, very well. Arturo Freeman begged South Carolina to take him. Brian McClendon said, no, I'd rather have these guys. Wow. Oops. Hey, well, you know, it all worked out. Who did Carolina take instead of him? Do you remember? Oh, uh, uh, who, who quit? and went, uh, So Chad Terrell was one of them. He got uh, he had a, he had a lot of injuries too. Though. Somebody, uh, oh, it was it was not pretty because it, it ended up that he was Zay was starring for Boston College the year that uh, the year that freaking uh, that Carolina had one receiver, Shai Smith, and that was it in twenty 2020. twenty in twenty twenty. So I uh, Mike yeah, Bobo. I, there were a bunch of uh, not so great. Um, let's see, twenty eighteen. So. Yeah, they that well. Van was one that they took. Rush, Tyquan Johnson, who took up two different scholarships and never played. Uh, Darius Rush got moved to corner. Uh, that was this one year, and then uh, the nineteen seed. I mean, they literally begged. I mean, begged them like, "Hey, don't you want this guy?" Mm-hmm. He was Boston College's best player, Kevion Mullins. Keyshawn Tony, Taekwon Johnson again. Yeah, just not not a lot of strong recruiting there during that time period for the game guys at receivers. So Zay Flowers is uh he was a dude yeah. at BC. All right, uh we do need to step aside. We're powered by electric bikes of Charleston. It's power hour overtime today, thanks to Brian Spencer and team of Medicare. We'll let Mike tell you more about that. When we get back, also National Chocolate Milkshake Day, one of my favorite things on the planet. Mm. And um, so I might just make one of those a little bit later on with my little girls since mom's not home and I can spoil them with all types of sweets. Uh, we're going to take you right up to the Shane Beamer press conference coming on at uh, 1.30. So hang tight. We are served by Chicken Cock Whiskey inside the Gamecocks. The show will be right back. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service 
after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course 9 or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. <laughs> Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. One o'clock overtime inside the Gamecocks, the show without JC. He had to jump off because he's got some uh, other obligations to get to in just a little bit. But Mike is going to hang with us and we will get into the dogs and the Gamecocks. Shane Beamer will step to the podium and now just a hair less than 30 minutes. So we'll take you right up to that point. But Power Hour is probably presented by our friend Brian Spencer. I'm at a Medicare. Yeah, man. Yeah, well, very well said. Uh, it's worth two voices on this. It's that good of a sponsor. Uh, Brian Spencer is is that good of a man. He really is. I mean, despite his overall lack of skill set on doing virtually anything other than one thing that he excels at specifically well, and that is providing the best Medicare coverage for anybody in the Palmetto State. That includes people already on Medicare but losing coverage through their job or spouse, people soon to be turning 65, uh, all Medicare recipients during the annual election period, that's between October 15th and December 7th every year. Uh, and in rare, is- rare instances, people under 65 will qualify for Social Security disability, which also makes them eligible for Medicare. So in other words, if you're if you're like so many of us in, in anything that is kind of run by the government, it could be daunting. Uh, we'll all be there at some point, knock on wood. Uh, you need somebody to help you through the process. This is your guy. Pure tea, plain and simple. Brian Spencer, Palmetto Medicare, palmetto-medicare.com. 
the phone number is pretty easy to remember, 803-960-9484, 960-9484. Again, could be one of the most important phone calls you make, not to mention uh, financially sound phone calls that you make. Brian Spencer of Palmetto Medicare, 960-9484. That's with the Columbia area code 803. Taking care of the Palmetto State. Uh, hope we can do it as well as he does. Certainly, amen. Certainly appreciate uh, what he does for. We got a great group of sponsors. I'll tell you, uh, we. I'm I'm excited about breaking into some chicken cock bourbon uh, and Dixie vodka. Uh, I, 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 you, you mentioned the gym equipment earlier. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm here for it. If you need a roof, you got Jeremy Johnson of Elite Roofing. Uh, also a, a South Carolina guy. Uh, I, I love it. Like we've, we've got great people here now surrounding this show as it continues to become the, the empire, not an evil empire, but it is a big empire. <laughs> what I like is there's nobody that we have as a partner that I wouldn't use. That uh, very true. And no, uh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. oh, I do use them all. Every one of them. Yeah, exactly. And have, or haven't used. In yeah. fact, I, I got to go get more chicken cock here. Well, this week, so. <laughs> I, I know we're all on the same page on this, and I've, I've done this a little longer than you guys have, but I, I've been asked to speak on behalf of, of some sponsors that I just would not, the product I would never use. I mean, once I was asked to be a spokesman for a, like a lobster house, well, I don't eat lobster, so that's, you know, wasn't really appealing to me. Once it was like a, something involving tobacco. I'm not a tobacco guy. So, uh, you you can bet if we speak for it, it's things and people that we believe in, products that we believe in, services that we believe in. So uh, you can rest assured that if you see it on this show, if you hear about it on this show, it is truly backed by the people on this show. Uh, there's no question about that. Uh, we certainly appreciate everybody and what they do for us. And I'm with you, Phil. I will um, have plenty of chicken cock on Saturday as we watch the Gamecocks play because win or lose. I'll probably need it. Um, Shane's coming up in just a little bit, Mike. This is a an enormous <clears throat> opportunity for the Gamecocks to do something that nobody, nobody outside of that their own locker room would even entertain the possibility of happening in Athens. They're twenty seven and a half point dogs. We're obviously going to talk about this game again on Thursday. Shane will give us a health update here in just a little bit, according. Uh, just a little while ago to uh, some of the Carolina football players who were speaking with the media, they expect Nicky Mawori to play this weekend as in quote, most definitely. So we'll see what, we'll see what happens. We'll see if Shane kind of pumps the brakes on that or not, Mike, but um, how much have you watched of the dogs in their first eight quarters? Very little, honestly, but you know, living in Atlanta, I, I get all the coverage, whether I'm looking for it or not. And certainly in, in preparing for the coverage on this show, I, I've done a deep dive and I, you know, I, I keep up with them anyway. It's, it's hard not to. I mean, they're on, they're, they're fighting for a third national championship. Uh, I do some work on a station in Atlanta, 680 the fans. So needless to say, I'm, I'm pretty well boned up on Georgia. Uh, my thoughts on, on the team. First of all, you, you, you learn nothing from the first two games. Um, so Georgia's been lit. If it's possible for a nat two time defending national champ to live in relative obscurity, they've done it. Nobody's mm-hmm. talking about Georgia. I understand they're number one in the polls, 
but nobody is really raving about anything. Georgia, if, if anything else, are being critical about the slow starts against two lackluster opponents. To me, that means next to nothing. Uh, I was doing a little bit of homework and just w- seeing where they rank in terms of uh, potential draft picks. They have eight of the top 100 guys on many draft boards. Uh, five of those eight are on the defensive side of the football. Uh, a couple of those guys are some of the best secondary guys you'll see all year in college football and Javon Bullard and Kamari Lassiter. So if you're thinking about, and I don't know how healthy Juice Wells is, I'm sure Shane will talk about that again. Clearly it's not been a hundred percent. I know Xavier Leggett is emerging into a stud, an absolute star who looks like an NFL wide receiver now. So that could be like a great matchup, but you're going to see better resistance uh, against this defense with all due respect to the Tar Heels. They have definitely bumped their their D up, particularly in the front seven. And they've got some NFL guys in that front seven, but they're not Georgia. This is by far and away the best defense Carolina will face so far and maybe all year long. All year. No, uh, the, oh, it's, it's all year. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't can't predict who they're going to play in the bowl or whatever. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I based regular, on the they're actual, better than everybody else. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and that is the – that don't don't buy into the well. They might be a little bit down this year. You know they struggled in that game last week in the first quarter. Really? I don't know. Mike. They've outscored Martin and Ball State ninety-eight to ten. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm you not sure to, what what world was, are we living in? I know, wow. but you know, Georgia fan. I mean, it's just a it, it it's just a well. What about this? What about that? We could have done this better. Um, you know, Brock Bowers is the best tight end in college football. And so far, so far, the quarterback situation has been fine. Now, this will be the uh, great test for the Gamecock defense uh, to take a quarterback that's that hasn't played in this magnitude uh, of a game and and see if they can expose him a little bit. But you, here's the thing. You're, the line of scrimmage, there's just no perceivable edge that the Gamecocks have on the offensive line or the defensive line. The best you can hope for is a stalemate, and I don't see that happening. So you probably have to win the game in spite of the fact that you're going to lose in the trenches, and you're just going to have to make some big plays, and yes, as the cliche goes, win the turnover battle, et cetera, et cetera. That's what they did when they shocked Georgia a few years ago when when Muschamp went in there and they rolled up a win. Like Georgia just slept, walked their way through the game. Gamecocks got a bunch of picks and wound up winning the game. Um, you almost have to have that type of, you're not going to want to shoot out. I don't believe. And again, you're just not going to dominate the line. So plays have to be made on the perimeter and you're, you're just going to have to come up with some plays that maybe nobody foresees happening, but Georgia's a big favorite for a reason. This is the most difficult game on the schedule has been when it came out still is today. Uh, just as concerning to me whether or not Carolina wins this game is, is just how they play in it, how they perform in it. You know, I, I, there's there's certain things you want to see uh, that make you feel like, okay, this game was what it was. Georgia's a behemoth, but I like what I see uh, in this facet, or we got better in that facet of the game. You can't ask anything more special rat where I know that's been said to death. He's been nothing short of phenomenal, um, but he needs help. You need to find out who your best running back is. You need to find some more playmakers on defense. 
you know, you need to you need to answer some riddles. I don't know if we learn that much about the offense line against Furman. Uh, you know, we're it might still be a glaring weakness after this game is complete. I am much more concerned about, to be honest with you, not to look ahead. But I think after this game, the five game stretch after is going to define this season. Mississippi State, Tennessee, Florida, Missouri, and AM. Three of those five on the road. If you go three and two, it's good. If you go four and one, it's great. If you go less, then it's going to be considered disappointing in some ways. So this game, win or lose, is going to help you set up for that Mississippi State game on a Saturday night in Columbia. Williams Bryce will be rocking. Uh, but you don't want to go in there battered and bruised, not just physically, but mentally as well. I I, I hope this wasn't one of my base that asked this question. Somebody a little while ago legitimately asked to carry on Joyner if getting Juice Wells back would help this offense. Uh, and yes. <laughs> To carry on, Joiner looked at him and said, "What do you think? I mean, guys, let's let's do better. I don't know who you were calling you out, your buddy. Text me, but let's do better than that. I mean, come on. Um, I I do think, Mike, that there is a chance that the 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 lines of scrimmage are scary in this game for South Carolina. There's no question. Um, and and that has been well documented. If let's say Juice Wells is healthy." Let's look at the rest of the schedule, Georgia, okay? Um, UAB at Auburn, Kentucky, Vandy at Vandy, Florida, Missouri, Ole Miss um, at Tennessee at Georgia Tech. Ole Miss has a transfer wide receiver in there. I can't remember his name now. He's really good. Jackson Dart, I think, is really good. But there is a chance that Georgia this weekend could see the best quarterback wide receiver combo on their entire schedule with Xavier Leggett and Spencer Rattler. And then if you throw Juice Wells in the mix there, um, you got two of them. And and that is certainly – that's rare for South Carolina to bring that into this series. Generally, it's kind of the other way around, right? But mm-hmm. the way that Spencer Rattler's been playing, you just pointed out Xavier Leggett a minute ago. He leads the power five in receiving yards, which is um, unbelievable through two games. And then we all know what Juice Wells could, could bring to the table. I think we will see him – he played 30 snaps last weekend. So I think we're going to see him in an advanced role this weekend. If I don't know if he's fully healthy or not, we'll find out. But with that said, though, Mike, is that is that fair? And historically, as good as Georgia is, and as good as their secondary is, and as good as Will Muschamp is, as a, I don't care who's listed at the def, co-defensive coordinator, Will Muschamp is the defensive coordinator at Georgia. Um, that does give the Gamecocks things got to go your way. You got to get turnovers. You, things have to happen. You're not just going to go in there, have a hat, blow these guys up, win the game. That's not going to happen. I don't know if there's anybody in college football that can do that to Georgia, but you do have a fighting chance when you have explosiveness like the Gamecocks will bring to the table. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it, it's going to take a lot in the passing game, quite honestly. Um, and I realize I already said that I don't think a shootout is the best formula here, but it is going to take a number of Rattler's going to have to be on. One of the things we'll do our picks contest Thursday. I'll give you a sneak preview of what my little over under is on this game relative to the Gamecocks. What is Spencer Rattler's uh, completion percentage right now? 83.3. 80, yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's, like, it's, it's like video game. It's insane. Uh, 
my over under i'll let you chew on this for 48 hours over under completion percentage for spencer against georgia 69 and a half that's a good question i have sure. our, that's, our, a, that's a really good question I, I i already pretty much have the answer but i think that's really good <laughs> of course you do yes well don't don't ruin it for the rest of the oh listener. i won't no i won't uh we, we we might even uh, summon up some um, – we might have a little fun uh, with that as well. Thursday I'll have more details on that later. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, my point is is that Spencer is going to have to be efficient. He's going to have to be – I don't want to say mistake-free. Maybe you get one mulligan, but that's about it. Um, but, again, I I can't help but look at this big picture and say, obviously everybody wants – would love a win. It would be – earth-shattering to go in there and beat the two-time defending champions on their field uh, on, a, on a 330, you know, that's kind of in a lot of ways a primetime game because we've just been conditioned the best game in the SEC every week is typically 330. Uh, but short of that, you want to see some things, you want to be able to, when that game is over, pull out some true positives, not sugarcoat positives, but true positives that make you say, okay, I feel better about the game against Mississippi State than I did going in. Even though we lost to Georgia, I feel better about this game. I feel better about the Florida game. I feel better about the Missouri game. I feel better about the season based on some things that I saw against a team that is clearly, uh, and this is debatable, and I know JC likes Notre Dame. Some people like Texas now, uh, Florida State. But until somebody shows me different, I'll, I'll take Georgia as the top team in college football. Uh, I'll take Georgia as the most talented team in, in college football. The biggest concern was was Beck coming in. Uh, we'll see if it is coming out. But if you can just do some things well in this game, even if you lose it, you might feel better about the season as a whole. Yeah, you just want to see progression from the team as a whole relative to the competition. I mean, That's you right. know, it, we've seen we've seen the team improve week over week. Uh, I still stand behind the fact that there is a legit possibility that you could come out of this game with Georgia still not really knowing what exactly you've got until you hit the field against Mississippi State. I agree uh, I with that. Uh, yeah, I think that's very yeah. fair. Yeah. But I, I think we've seen progress. Uh, in certain facets, uh, and now you get to you get to throw it up against the best competition, which is what we're all here for, right? So it was like, let's throw it out there and, and see what you got. And we have an intimate familiarity with both coordinators in this team. I mean, you know, come on, give us some <laughs> all that hay yeah. made of you know pretty kid going to UNC. I mean, we know what Bobo's gonna do. <laughs> Well, Bobo's got a few more toys to play with than he did. No, that's the thing. He was at, like, at yeah, some other it, places, kind of including Georgia's and, and, first run. Yeah, right, yeah. right. <laughs> when everybody wanted them fired. Yeah, yeah. And something tells me we he hasn't been giving a hundred percent leading into these two games. No. Why would you want to give it all on film for you know? <laughs> no, the SEC. No, not yeah. yeah, not at all. And look, Georgia still is in a way that there's still a throwback in that they don't throw as much as the teams that are winning titles now do. They don't throw like LSU did with Burt. They don't throw like Alabama uh, did with uh, Bryce Young, uh, not Bryce Young, uh, Mac Jones won the title and and some quarterbacks before him won the title. Um, If you look at some of the championship teams, most of them, they were pretty pass heavy. Doesn't mean they couldn't run. 
They just chose to exploit the matchups. When you've got an NFL quarterback and first-round wide receivers, this was the formula for Alabama and Clemson when they won their titles. It's almost un, un, you can't. I don't care how good your defense is, offense will win. It's, it's kind of like the uh, the expression, "perfect throw beats perfect coverage." Well, the best defenses in college football still rarely can slow down an offense that is that stacked. You know, first round quarterback, first round receiver on this end, first round receiver on that end, a line that can block and provide a nice pocket. That is that is still a winning formula, but Georgia kind of says, no, we're, we're still going to go a little old school. We're going to still Kirby sat there and said, you know, I was there when Nick Saban won his titles, the old fashioned way it was run, stop the run, throw when necessary. Uh, but I'm going to give them all to Mark Ingram 30 times. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to take my big bruising tailbacks and have them just punch the opponent in the gut as opposed to I'm going to throw it 40 times and and air raid you to death. Georgia still they they will try and win games without throwing it all over the field at times and I that much hasn't changed whether it's Bobo or not. Um so I wouldn't be surprised if Beck doesn't throw a ton of passes honestly. If they have their way against that Carolina front and they can just gash them for 5 6 yards a carry, you won't see Beck throw the ball much at all. Because they don't, they no, don't no. make it mandatory over there. No, and I, honestly, I, I, that, I when I think back to the Furman game, the play that concerned me the most going into Georgia was that fourth down where they scored the touchdown. They lined it up in the eye and just ran it down your throat. And that one, when I saw that, I'm like, let's hope that's not a harbinger of what we're going to come up on Saturday because I know they got it in them. Because, I mean, that's just in their DNA. Just put put a fullback in there and just hand it off and pound you, pound you, pound you. And, I mean, they've got a, a, a tight end who's one of the yeah. best players in the sport who actually doesn't mind blocking. He actually is right. a good – Brock Bowers actually blocks. He's not a, yeah. a wide receiver playing tight end. Uh, they're stacked on the line. Um, you know, they, they could certainly do that. My question is, who's the best running back on the Gamecocks right now? Mario Anderson. Mario is the best Anderson. It's not. I don't. I. I, I think he's. If the, are if we basing on, that on on the one game against Furman? I'm basing that. It, it, it's. I'm basing that on using eyeballs. I mean, I. I don't. I don't care who the opponent was. He's. He's the best running back on the team. When you watch him run, it's clear to see. Okay. I mean, if there wasn't a guy named on Joiner who had literally given his left nut to this football program for five years. He could have transferred, didn't. He came, How many times have they called on him to come in and save the day for this program against all types of in all types of scenarios? Ask Carolina versus North Carolina in the bowl game, on and on and on. If he wasn't on the roster, there's no way this kid wouldn't be the starting running back right now. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and so we were talking about that earlier. How are you going to basically divvy up snaps moving forward um, because I think all four of the running backs have something different. Chuck here in the chat box says Braswell, he's the most talented back on the team. I don't think there's a question there, but he's a true freshman and he can't handle the load. Um, the, the best back is a guy who's played the most running back in his career. And that's Mario. Anton. even though it was a Newberry, he's the most natural running back on the team mm-hmm. The carry on joiners, your team leader and is a, but he's best with it when he's, when he's sniffing the goal line, that's where he's best. Um, he's always been able to find the end zone. 
And then Juju McDowell is kind of your jitterbug change of pace guy who you, you can't give it to 20, 15, 20 times a game, but you can nine or 10. And how do they use all these guys? Because you all have a different skill set. I, I don't know what the answer is there, but something you said just a minute ago, um, you know, what we were talking about this earlier too. I, I think a, a, a really, really good scenario for South Carolina on Saturday would be to, you know, hope you win the toss. I mean, you, you can't just win the toss. They actually have to flip the coin. But um, hope you win the toss. And if you do defer and when you and and let Georgia take the ball to start, this is Carson Beck's first start in the SEC. Mm-hmm. So, just send the house, see what happens. Put pressure on him, make him make a decision. You know what I mean? Make him make a decision. See if you can't get them off to a rocky start, which you don't want to do. And I get it, the idea of putting your offense on the field, running down and scoring and silencing the crowd, and it's not really realistic. It doesn't always work out that way, especially against the best team in the country in their own ballpark. Um, so defer and put your defense on the field and just let let your guys go and go go see if you can't make them make a mistake early and make make that starting quarterback, Carson Beck, start thinking about what, what he's doing there. He starts mm-hmm. thinking, you know, Mike, that's where strange things start happening. What do I yeah, he has nobody called he that, has, No, he uh, you're absolutely right. He hasn't been in a in a true adversity setting yet you know mm-hmm. i mean he's been around yeah. the program for a while he sat behind stetson bennett and he could have transferred chose not to waited it out and now he's here and he knows he's it's like it's like the guy who can't fight but all his buddies are just bruisers and so you know <laughs> you you feel okay you stick your chest out like yeah you want to mess with me you want to mess with me guys go take care of it um, right. <laughs> You know, he, he could have a little bit of that. I had a uh, like yeah, we all we all had. But but look, and I'm not I'm not uh, slamming Beck. Beck from a physical skill set is more talented than Stetson Bennett. There's no question. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of guys who have gone through this league and others that have been talented. But when the lights are on and all of a sudden you're down, you know, two scores in a in a football game in the SEC. You you pressure burst pipes. You can see guys crumble. Um, so you hope if you're if you're Carolina, you hope that that's the scenario that you can get him in a in a situation where he's actually got some adversity, where he's having to think about things that he hasn't had to so far. So yeah, I agree that the start of the game is extremely important. It's a tone setter. You fall behind two scores early, which has been the uh, uh, the case more often than not. If you go back the last few years, correct me if I'm wrong, but it just seems like Carolina's had to dig out of some early holes against Georgia. Oh, yeah. That's not what you want to do. That's just, no. it's just, oh, it's over. I mean, that it, it's over. Yeah. If that, yeah. You know, it's, it's a different scenario from what happened in Clemson last year. Uh, this is the number one team in the country. And, um, yeah, outside of Clemson and Kentucky, Carolina's had their struggles on the road with the exception of Vanderbilt uh, over, the, over the last couple of years. I'll answer a couple quick questions in the chat box here and then we'll let you run mike because we got to get out of here with shane coming up anyways um uh daddy oh uh the the kirby thing calling out tonka that that has really nothing to do with tonka at all he's looking for something mike's already hit the nail on that earlier here you know people in athens wondering what's wrong this and the other he's trying to energize his fan base um it's nothing personal at all it really has nothing to do with south carolina he's just trying to use something as a coach to get his fans drunk and loud that's it. 
I don't think there's anything more to it. Uh, Mike, would you agree with that before I answer the next yeah, one? Yeah, I mean, knowing Kirby, I mean, Kirby is not a. He, he recruited is, Tonka. I mean, he knows him well. Right. And, and it's just not, that's not Kirby's nature to start like talking trash and belittling nah. the opponent. That's really not Kirby smart. That's coach speak is what it is. Uh, that's yeah. a, that's a tactic. Uh, and then also, also from daddy O here, uh, what, why does CBS air the game? I thought they were all in on the big 10 because CBS is still under contract with the one more FCC. year, one more year, maybe this will be an ABC game next year. That's right. Yeah. This will be yeah, an ABC I, game. The music will be different. Uh, there'll be no Brad Nessler, who I think is outstanding. Um, yeah, everything will be a little bit different next year. Bobby said they're always drunk and loud. That's true. Uh, and that, and that's, there's, there's no doubt about that, but I do think that there is uh, probably a section of that fan base that, uh, they've gotten a little bit apathetic because they've won two national championships and everybody's told them for nine months that there's no challenges on their schedule. Spoiled. It's, it's Kirby smarts job to keep them on their toes. Um, that's when, right. you're not, when you're not on your toes, you get beat. And, that's uh, right. And Kirby already has fallen victim to that once. That's right. Yeah, right. yeah, that was a better Georgia team. I don't think anybody would debate that, but on that given Saturday, they were not. They were not. That was a uh, – yeah, I'll tell the rest story of that behind closed doors, uh, at least from my side of it. But what okay. a day that was. That's I picked that game, Mike, back when you were on my ESPN show every week. I picked the Gamecocks to beat them that week, so I thought yes. it was a bad matchup for Georgia. Everybody called me crazy, and then everybody called and apologized on Monday. Uh-huh. Because I was right. Are you picking a, a Gamecock victory this Saturday? You'll find out on Friday <laughs> around 12.59 p.m. You're on Inside the Gamecocks, okay. the show. All right. I'm not team. saying that's out of the question. No. <laughs> so you're well, saying there's a chance. That's right. <laughs> Brilliant talk. Uh, I love that percentage to win. I think he's at ESPN's got it at like 8.2. <laughs> <laughs> and all those memes on Twitter. Yeah, it's like, so Not you're bad. telling me there's a chance. <laughs> Samsonite. <laughs> Thanks to Brian Spencer and Palmetto Medicare for presenting Mike Thank Morgan you, Brian. and our hour, hour and a half today on this Tuesday afternoon. Yes. Yeah, Enjoyed it, guys. I look forward to Thursday. We'll uh we'll have the Fab Five challenge. Uh I know I had a better week. I can't speak to everybody here on the days. Oh, <laughs> I had a rough week with a lot of stuff last week, so we'll get back. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) Thanks, Mike. Thank you, guys. Enjoyed it. The golden tones of Mike Morgan. He'll see him back here on Thursday. Thanks to JC and Hale McGranahan as well. And thanks to all of you for being here. We're built by the Barn Dominium Company. We'll return tomorrow at 11 a.m. on Inside the Gamecocks, the show from the Sinaroff Studios.